Big Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, everyone? Happy Friday and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. We got a banger for you heading into a marble race to officially begin the weekend at the end of the program. Couple of our faves on the show today. Weebs World himself, Ken Weeb, with his weekly visit. Get Ken's thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs and more on the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun as well before Weber coming in. Now, we've been excitedly looking forward to the uh, debut of the Winnipeg Sea Bears this weekend. Home opener tomorrow night. The team will break a CEBL attendance record with their first game at Canada Life Centre. We're looking forward to that. And, you know, after having Mo on to talk about the league a little bit yesterday, um, great chance to catch up with one of our favorites on the program today, Kirby Shep, the head coach over at the U of M men's basketball team. And also moonlighting is the uh, director of development for the Egyptian Basketball Federation. Before Kirby heads overseas, though, he's going to jump on with us today, talk a little bit about what the CEBL means for local basketball and uh, what a boost it is for programs like his over at the U of M, as well as one of his players that was the first ever draft pick of the Sea Bears and uh, in Simon Hildebrand, who should have a big role with the club going forward. So we will talk a little hoops before we drop the marbles, focus in on some hockey talk and of course, some football talk as well. The Bombers opening the preseason on the weekend in Edmonton. Um, just before we get going, hit last night's playoff action and all the other big stories around the world of sports. Got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Assiniboia Downs, the Gold Eyes who are back in action tonight, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health, Nick & Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Consolidated Supply, BP, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Golf Course, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and the award-winning Little Brown Jug Brewery, who have got some very exciting news for Bomber fans, which we'll touch on a little bit later on. Let's get after it, though, and welcome in Michael Remus, the brains of the operation. What is up, Remo? How about this heat? We got a heat warning in May here in Winnipeg. What is going on? Yeah, I'm in short. This is my first show, I think, of 2023. You can't see it, but I'm wearing shorts under here. This is the first. This is the first one for me. You know, normally I put on the sweatpants in the morning because it's a bit chilly. Not today. It was like 20. I said, okay, going with the shorts. I got got the sweat shorts. On, feeling comfortable. It's Friday. We're ready for the weekend. Going to be hot. Uh, this is good, Huss. I'm excited. Uh, I'm in shorts as well. I cannot <laughs> wait to uh, get out. I, I've had. I've already had a day, to be honest with you. I oh, was I've up been... far earlier than normal. I did a hit with Dusty and Eric on TSN 1260 in Edmonton, which was nearly interrupted by some extensive... <laughs> Plumbing work being nice. done. Yeah, you told by me. one of by one of the local the local services. We had quite quite an episode here. Um, I'm not sure how this happened. Whether it was involved with one of the other spots in my building, all I can tell you that it was near disaster. But shout out to the guys at Clean Line who uh, came in and cleaned the line, if you will. And uh, we're back. We're back. It wasn't your business. fault. 
It was a guy above I, you, right? Or below I, you? Listen, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. It's not something I have a lot of experience with. Um, I'm not sure whether I put something down, I don't know, like some paper towels or something. It, I, look, like Basically, with the amount of work that went into this to fix the problem, I have a feeling it was something even more nefarious than that. Um, bottom line is, though, uh, much like my betting slump, which has continued last night, with the Golden Knights losing in overtime. Um, I'm hoping that whatever happened with the pipes in my building, I hope that got out any bad juju that I'd had when it comes to the cool bet lines and the lock shop going in. Um, I've basically been in a slump, much like the Blue Jays have been. We'll get to that a little bit later on, though. Big game tonight, and I imagine quite a few Winnipeggers making the trip down to the Twin Cities for um, the series this weekend because, of course, it's Blue Jays at Twins, Reem, and that is always, always a busy weekend for Canadians to head down and uh, see Canada's team take on the Twinkies there in the uh, Twin Cities. Yeah, they always schedule it near uh, like May long weekend. This is the Memorial Day weekend in the States. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think it's Party big time. crowds. Yeah, going to be big crowds there, and... Uh, I always enjoy watching those on TV, so I do know some people going down, making the trip. So I don't know if Ken's going, but that should be a a good one uh, on TV there. That's a good question. Have we confirmed where Ken is joining us from today? Did he, he's been on the golf course all week. Well, the Manitoba uh, the gol- Golf Tour, uh, for sure. I bet the Manitoba Golf Tour could turn into the Minnesota Golf Tour very quickly for Ken. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he is heading down there for those games. Anyways, we'll talk to Weaver a little later on. But as much as we will get to the sports news, let's get to what really matters right now on a Friday afternoon heading into the weekend. And that is the WST weather report, which includes a freaking heat warning. It's 30 degrees right now at 1 o'clock p.m. as we go live. And listen to this, man. A high of 32 today. 29 tomorrow, 32 on Sunday, 26 and 29 Monday, Tuesday, and then 34 degrees right now for Wednesday, May 31st, and Thursday, June 1st. Um, We will take it, considering the couple months leading into uh, (laughs) the couple months we had leading into the month of May. So it feels like summer right now. Gold Eyes are back in action tonight, beginning a uh, series against the Sioux Falls Canaries. Great time to get out to the ballpark if you haven't already. And um, the Bombers are back as of tomorrow. Remo taking on the Edmonton Elks in preseason action. And I'll tell you what, I got a chance to uh, hook up with a number of the Bombers yesterday at, what was this event called yesterday? Taste of the Blue Bombers, a gourmet tailgate. And, uh, This was just an absolutely first-class event that the Bombers put on yesterday at the stadium. Um, Got a chance to head down there and take it all in. 12 or 13 of um, the great restaurants of our city put together their own version on, quote, elevated tailgate fare. Um, People had a couple drinks and basically walked through the entire stadium sampling all of this great food. And um, needless to say, I'm just now... Hungry again after how much we ate at this event yesterday. But it also got me excited for the season. And I can tell you, talking to a number of the members of the Bombers yesterday at the event, they're looking forward to 
seeing people on the other side of the field other than their teammates now that training camp is pretty much done and uh, this team just wants to get after it. Fast forward to June 9th and get ready to uh, start the unfinished business tour throughout the Canadian football league. Yeah, I'm fired up here for the bomber season. I saw CFL has announcing revamped fantasy uh, games on their website, which I think uh, their fantasy game desperately needed that. They're, they're calling it Game Zone, so you know maybe we'll do something there. We do do regular DraftKings contests for people who do want to... Um, play CFL fantasy with us. But I know for the Bombers, I was talking to Ted Wyman at the Kenny and Reddy party and whoever else covers the team. And they're, they're struggling for stories. That's not much in terms of position battles. Uh, the one you know, we were looking forward to was who was going to be the kicker, but they signed Sergio Castillo before training camp. So they've really been counting down. That's um, what I was until- saying to Dusty and Eric today. I'm like, Hey, if you're thinking about big bomber stories tomorrow, uh, Look at guys on special teams in the second half tomorrow and look to see how the punters do. Because yeah. as far as I can tell, it's Mark Leggio against the global punters for that punting job. And other than that, the band is pretty much back. Kenny Lawler is now back with the club, basically taking that Greg mm-hmm. Ellingson spot in the receiving core. And other than that, it is this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team that has set the bar so high in the last three years, falling just short in that last great cup. And um, it seems like it's a very determined group that's looking forward to getting to work uh, this weekend and most importantly in a couple of weeks when the team opens against the Ticats and Bull Levi Mitchell here in the peg. Yeah, don't get hurt is the story of the preseason. And, you know, Zach Caleros, like, well, I think it's unknown if he's actually – uh, going to play Jeff Saint Jeff Hamilton tweeting out you know a lot of veteran players on the trip. Claros is going to make it, but uh, he says it's a big if if you know he's going to take any snaps. And you know, shout out to CFL as well, Hus, who did announce their what CFL preseason live. That's been a big complaint about the league and TSN the last couple seasons, where not every preseason game was available. I mean, it's 2023. Let's you got to make every game available. What is this? And you will be able to watch. Uh, the Bombers Elks on CFL preseason live, cfl.ca slash preseason live to sign up. I, I haven't looked too much into it, but uh, the you know, people in chat saying their views from last week were positive. And yes, that Bombers game against the preseason game against Saskatchewan will be on TSN next Friday. Yeah, yeah, that game will be, and uh, Dusty's going to be coming in to, uh, to call the game here mm-hmm. in Winnipeg. And, uh, and, and he'll be doing the game as well. I believe that is the audio feed that we will get um, for this CFL stream. Uh, Most of the times, I think they go with the home radio call. But in this case, I would expect to hear Dusty. So tomorrow afternoon, anyways, Bombers and Elks are going to go at it. And yeah, I mean, interesting. Looking at the uh, the roster that the team is sending out there, um, the ones are going. I mean, most of them are going. And and I'll say this, if they're going to make the trip... I would imagine they will play. Uh, I think the concern against any team, but especially a Chris Jones coach team, might be you know some players taking liberties or maybe a few cheap shots. So I think Zach Caleros probably gets in a series or two, but I also have a feeling he'll be getting rid of the ball very quickly and um, probably won't be in the uh, game too, too much. I imagine we'll see more of Drew Brown, and then uh, Josh Jones and uh, Tyrell Peroni 
will be the guys that um, probably get a chance to mix and match on some short yardage distances and um, see if they, I mean, there, there's your battle for the Bombers. Who's going to be the third string quarterback? I thought the battle is who's going to take uh, the Dakota Prukop slash Sean McGuire role and vulture all these touchdowns and ruin <laughs> Brady Oliveira, <laughs> ruin fantasy. Yeah. Ruin fantasy for Brady Oliveira. Andrew Harris, I think it cost him some money. They stole all his touch. You know, Andrew Harris two years ago would take it down to the one. Then Sean McGuire would just punch it in every time. And he didn't he lead the league in touchdowns? Crazy. Uh, he he led he led the bombers in touchdowns, at yeah. least rushing TDs. I think he had eleven or twelve. Um yeah, that was listen, you you brought up CFL fantasy. I, I seeing you on a daily basis being so angered by Sean McGuire going in on the one. Yeah. was actually one of the most hilarious things that happened over and over well, and over again the entire season. Well, I think Andrew Harris was getting annoyed. He'd ta- literally take it down to the one, and then they'd give it to another guy to punch it in. So I'll, I'll shut up, and we can move on. The Bombers you know, did pretty well that season, so I think that's what it's more about. But for those of us who do dabble in fantasy, and it has helped me learn pretty much about the entire league, you know, doing that every week, so... Uh, I'm big, you know, big advocate for that. But uh, looking ahead to the, you know, the lineup, you know, they we'll get a look at what Kenny Lawler, Rashid Bailey, uh, who's in there, Carlton Agadosi, you know, all the same same crew. Uh, so first one tomorrow, exciting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, other than that, not a ton of big bomber stories. Uh, just like you said, just stay healthy and be a hundred percent for the beginning of the season. Um, And we'll see how things work uh, for next week's game as well. Speaking of which, this is Marvel's Day today. I got to give a shout out to Joe over Consolidated Supply, who has given us a couple Bomber home opener tickets to give away. Now, we're going to wait until next Friday to do those, but we'll include that in the Marble race. So uh, most of you know when to join us for Marbles anyways, but especially if you're uh, looking for a chance to win tickets to the home opener, for the blue and gold, join us next week. Just before we move on to uh, hockey, I will say this: uh, excellent, excellent food creations yesterday. I think the five two nine Wellington one. I'm expecting that one to win. That was like a prime rib and lobster slider. It was decadently amazing. Uh, Confusion Corner had a great one. Nicolino's had a great one. And a restaurant I hadn't heard of, Elena, had some great uh, meatball one. Peasant Cookery as well was in there. And um, I tried like a Korean corn dog. That was another one. And I should give a shout out to Jeff Gray. You know how every time we have guys on the program and whatever, I'll ask him about who, you know, who eats the most or just some random question, just kind of more about, you know, the guys. And they always say that Jeff Gray is the best cook. Jeff Gray himself had his own creation at the event yesterday. It was a, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure what was special about it, but it was essentially a corn dog with a special mustard. And I was actually beside Jeff as he got to try it himself after creating it. And uh, it was five star. But uh, overall, great food, great team, great people, and an unbelievably great day to do it. And getting into that stadium, it just got me more excited, even for the preseason game next week, just to get back to IG Field and get back on it with the Bombers uh, with the Bombers season. Yeah, that was Taste of the Bombers. Uh, they had a food event yeah. yesterday. It's, I got I to gotta hit that next year. I missed out. And it's There's funny, I just looked at the schedule 
um, the schedule for the Bombers next Friday home, uh, preseason game. I'm going to be at the Beer Fest at Flatlanders at the arena. So, you know, I remember they have it. You know, they would have like Stanley Cup playoff games on TV there. So I'm hoping that they do have it on throughout the concourse at, at the uh, Flatlanders Beer Festival. Oh, you mean the game? Yeah, well, there won't be any uh, Stanley Cup game because uh, the Cup is not going to start on Wednesday. It'll start next Saturday well, because the it's Dallas entirely Stars. True. Well, you think well, the Stars, well, you're saying the Stars are going to win it, win the next game. I, th- I think it was, I think it was like, if, if the Stars Dallas won if, that game. No, they put out the release today. Vegas wins game five. It starts Wednesday. Oh, if, it still does Wednesday? Okay. I, I guess I was just looking at yesterday's announcement. It was if Vegas won that game, it was starting Wednesday. But I guess uh, they will still. I, I would love for it to start Wednesday. Wednesday, and then there's two days off, and then Saturday will be game two. Well, game one or game two, I guess. Yeah, here's the, uh, the schedule. Next we, week. People were asking us yesterday, what's the schedule? Like, are they going to be off for a week? So if Vegas wins game five, it'll start Wednesday, May 31. Uh, in Vegas, and then Saturday, June 3rd. I find these 8 p.m. Eastern start times, and they did this in the Florida, Carolina. I'm kind of, I think that's a bit late, no? 8 p.m. Eastern, like, why not go 7 or 7.30 Eastern? I'm, I was kind of surprised, because they had that over... 8 o'clock isn't too late. It's perfect for us. The 7 o'clock game central, again, once again, showing that the central time zone is the best for sports watching. But, I mean, that's five, it's still 5 o'clock Pacific. I mean, the minute when you're starting games at 4 p.m. in the Pacific time zone, <laughs> that's I mean, there's a lot of people that are still at work. And, hell, half of California has an hour-and-a-half commute and all that traffic. So um, I guess maybe they can catch some of the game on the radio. Um, but the bottom line from all of this is that we don't have a game for sure on Wednesday right now because the Dallas Stars survived last night, and I'm – Convinced the only reason it happened is because I picked Vegas to win the game last night. Um, but there was Joe Pavelski, and what a story he's been. I mean, I know we've been talking about what the Florida Panthers have been doing and that cr- incredible run from the eighth spot. When you think about Joe Pavelski's playoffs, getting knocked out in game one of the first round, coming back in the second round with a four-goal game and a losing cause, um, a huge part of their win over the Seattle Kraken, and then... Uh, listen, I still don't think that this gets back to Dallas for a game six, but um, Joe Pavelski helped Dallas uh, avoid a humbling sweep at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights and at least live to see another day after a big comeback OT win last night. Yeah, huge pushback uh, from Dallas, especially Jake Ottinger, who you know was upset after his great performance. Pushback. Yeah, great push. You know, very upset about his performance in game game three and. Really rebounded yesterday. Joe Pavelski has most er, most uh, goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs among active players, passing Ovechkin yesterday, 73. And he's got the fifth most uh, power play goals all time in Stanley Cup playoff history. This is, uh, he's been around for a while. He was on some great Sharks teams. Now he's uh, at a couple runs here with Dallas and huge impact. And you know, another play has at the end of a game, or, you know, what, the Carolina-Florida, that was the end of regulation, like the, the tripping call, and they score Kachuk on the power play to clinch the series. And there was another penalty yesterday where Dallas goes on a power play in overtime, and they, uh, you know, win their first game of that series. 
No, I, we didn't really talk about it yesterday. I thought that penalty call, again, people, a lot of people didn't like it, the one on uh, Stahl in Game 4. I didn't think it was that that terrible, but and I didn't think I thought the one yesterday, I mean, guy got high-sticked in the face. Those are automatic. Guy's in the front of the net. Like, what's the defenseman doing? Somebody like, had an issue with the pen, with the high sticking penalty. No, not that one. The one, the one before, a lot of people did. Oh. The, yeah, the one I mean, in the Carolina Florida they, game. The high stick. I mean, he got. I guess my issue was, did he really get sticked in the face there, or did he just wave? But I mean, you can't just can't just go and like stick left without actually getting a guy's stick. Like that's just just careless. You see your stick there, so I. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was Delandria that yeah, took one in. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it was the stick lift without getting the stick, and it ended up being a chin lift with the stick. Um, he was pretty lucky, frankly. That I mean, it was a hard enough shot to the to the uh, the chin. He was lucky that it didn't bleed. Um, mind you, it didn't matter because they scored in the first two minutes, and they only needed one goal, and uh, they do stay alive. Listen, the most interesting thing coming out of last night's game overall, Reem, was one of the great sporting event pictures of all time where proud hockey dad and former Winnipeg Jet Ty Domi stood in between Mike Tyson and Ric Flair. (laughs) How? (laughs) I saw this. I've been laughing the entire time. And by the way, Ric Flair, I'm not sure where the Stars had him as a special guest to try to woo them back into the series, but the I think Flair on video may have done the woo about 30 times after Pavelski scored in overtime. But uh, there you go. What a photo. This has got to be the best uh, sports photo of all time. This has got to be up there, right? I mean, everyone's looking at the camera, smiling Mike Tyson with Ty Domi and Ric Flair. Absolutely incredible, and I mean, it's kind of cool seeing you know the former Winnipeg Jets play. At least their their kids play a big role in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like easy to find someone to cheer for, whether it's the Manitoba connections on Vegas, um, on Carolina. I know a lot of people in chat with Paul Stasny, Paul Maurice in Florida, but also what Ty Domi's son Max on Dallas and Keith Kachuk's son Matthews, you know, Con Smythe up there for Con Smythe with Florida. So. But this picture, you know, bring in whoever for Stanley Cup. I know a lot of casuals love the playoffs, the intensity. And, I mean, this is three stray legends right here with with Ric Flair, Ty Domi, and Mike Tyson. Absolutely <laughs> but, incredible. Patrolman Pete, move over. Ollie knocking out Sonny Liston. There's a new best sports photo in town. Um, and you know what? Speaking of Max Domi, here's a quick why not question today for Not Auto Corp. Hit us up in the chat. Uh, what do you think about Max Domi as a potential free agent signing for the Winnipeg Jets if Mark Scheifele or Pierre-Luc Dubois are traded and maybe you don't get a center back in those deals? Interested to see, interested to see what people think about that. We'll talk about it with mm-hmm. Billick coming up in just one second. But before we bring in Scott, two days from today, folks, Sunday afternoon, Modern Man Barbershop on Plessy's having their grand opening event. It's from noon to 5 p.m. You'll receive a haircut for $9 with proceeds going to the Prairie Wildlife Rehab Center. And the first 100 people get a free lunch from their neighbors at Crave Kitchen and Deli. Get Modern Man Barbershops now with eight Winnipeg locations. But Sunday is the day, the grand opening event for the Plessy location Get on down there. I went to the gra- the one on Pembina. Obviously, the cut was great. The people were great. 
Oh, man, and they had some great food there as well. So uh, if you're not busy and you need a cut, no better place to do it than Modern Man Barbershops. Of course, Modern Man does it all. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Find out more and visit their Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops for more info. Well, this heat warning is uh, probably going to go through next week. And a great reminder that... um, Maybe you go and make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. With thousands of renos as their foundation, Aquatech can also upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, one two, one more day to get the incredible savings of the Manitoba battery kick off to summer sale. Uh, there's so much for all you campers, boaters, cabin goers, and golfers to take advantage of. They've extended it through until Saturday. Here you go. Deep cycle batteries start at 105 bucks. Six volt golf cart batteries are 170. Eight volts are 180. And you'll get an additional refund back of 10 to 17 bucks for your old batteries when they're returned. And they can be delivered within the perimeter at no extra cost. Compare with any of the big box stores. And not only will you not have to wait in line, but you'll have to pay, also have to pay 30 to 50 bucks more per battery at the big boys. Shop local and take advantage of the most convenient battery buying experience in Manitoba. And always get the best deal at Manitoba Battery. Sale goes until tomorrow, Saturday, May 27th. Go to manitobabattery.com for more info or pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, Reem, I saw our pal James and the gang from Canadian Club Whiskey at the uh, Bomber Taste of the Bombers event yesterday. Uh, They got some great new products, but uh, I can tell you that there was a lot of people enjoying the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale at the event yesterday. A lot of people looking forward to doing the same at the Rum Hut and more coming up. Right now, if you need a great quencher, you can get it at Manitoba Liquor Marts along with the entire Canadian Club uh, uh, products. But vendors, beer vendors, you don't necessarily need to get beer there. Check it out. CC and Ginger available in 473 milliliter cans at your local beer vendor as well. All right, let's kick things off with Scotty Billick on a beautiful Friday afternoon. Scotty, what's up? It's good. It's hot out, man. It's hot. I was at the Sea Bears practice this morning, and it's it's a warm one. So. Oh, fill us yeah. in. What was the what was the yeah. vibe around the Sea Bears? Are you going to the game tomorrow? Hey, I'll be at the game tomorrow. I Me too. It, I'm but, fired uh, up. I think this is going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I think everybody's. Got, I mean, I I don't. I think there's a lot of anticipation, right? Like, I think there's some of these guys that don't really know what is to expect, but you're going to be playing in a you know National Hockey League arena. In front of, I think the season ticket, we got a count today. I'm just looking at it here. I, I, it's 60, 6,600 plus for tomorrow. Um, wow. that, that was of, as of this morning. Uh, I think the record for the CEBL was 44.04 before. Um, so, I mean, they've just smashed the record, right? I mean, for most of these guys, I don't think some of them have played Commonwealth games. Um, a couple of others played some other you know, like uh, not higher tier basketball, let's say, but, uh, you know, just like, uh, like, uh, country, um, competitions and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it, 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 it it's going to be interesting. It, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how, you know, both Vancouver and, and, and the Seabears kind of take in, you know, the biggest crowd in, in CBL history. And, 
you know, the players, right? There's a few of them. Justin Allen's from here. Eileen is from here. Uh, Simon, they're, they're number one overall, not, not number one overall, but the first draft pick uh, in, in, in their franchise history. Um, obviously, Chris, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be Poss. Chad. Chad Poss. Just call him Chaddy the Batty or the Beast from River sure. East. Yeah, because, yeah, the Beast from River East, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of local flair on this team and and there's just there's an excitement down there right i mean the facilities these guys use the sport for manitoba building is awesome um and so like it it feels very professional you know i've I've never covered an nba game but um you know the fact that they're gonna be playing in you know essentially a a, well an nhl rink where you they've hosted nba games here before and um yeah it's just it's gonna be cool it's gonna be cool and and to see most of the lower bowl, potentially the whole lower bowl, sold out for uh, for uh, for a uh, for a first basketball game here. Like you know, I, I'd imagine that's going to be a pretty cool experience, and you know, obviously we'll find out tomorrow. But everybody's excited. I mean, you know, this whole team is obviously they're an, they're an expansion team, or an, and so that's you know one of the you know in terms of how they're going to actually do over the course of the season, we'll see. But um, yeah, it, it looks like a pretty cool. They got a great setup, and and you know everybody's kind of pulling in the one direction there, and uh, I think everybody's just excited and anticipating you know, a pretty cool moment tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I remember, I think that first Thunder game in the old Winnipeg Arena might have had eleven thousand people at it, and okay. you know, unfortunately, like the team did really well, but the league was a disaster, and right. yeah. uh, I mean, teams it was the WBL and. By the time that the season ended, four of the teams had folded, and the Thunder, who were like fifth out of six teams, all of a sudden are playing in a in a final <laughs> best of five series with all games in Winnipeg, just because yeah. people would show up. That being said, there is a growing and great basketball community already here right now, and um, I think it's long overdue that Winnipeg got into the CBL. I know Mike Morreale had been working on it. David Asper made it happen, and. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow, so we'll look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I wanted to talk Bombers, but I don't really know if there's a whole lot to talk about right now, Scott. I mean, uh, what's the punting situation? I saw a bunch of the guys last night at that event at IG Field, and, yeah. I mean, they're looking forward to getting out, playing a little bit on the weekend. But um, put it this way, the consensus from just about every guy I talked to was it's been a long training camp, and yeah. uh, they're really looking forward to getting out there with some live bullets. Well, that's the thing. You talked to Mike O'Shea, and and you know, I've been down there a few times last week and once over the weekend. And it was, it, 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 he's like, you know, it, it basically, like, I just want to play games, right? Like, we can only do so much evaluation playing against the same guys. And and Mike O'Shea made a great point: is the vets on this team, the pros, like they'll look at the guy in front of them and the guy behind them, what they do in a drill, and then go out and make the adjustment and beat them, right? And so. It's different when you're playing a you know a completely different team with a different group of guys that are also trying to make their respective teams and that sort of thing, and so like that's that's one part of it for sure. And the other part of it is a lot of these decisions are locked up, right? I mean, this team came into this training camp with very few question marks on who was going to do what. You mentioned the punter punter situation, um, you know that that's one of them, and obviously they got to figure that out whether it's going to be Mark Leggio, the incumbent. Or, or some of the other guys, the Australian guy, um, who, who, it, incredible story. I did a story on him um, last week, and and here's a guy who who was playing 
Aussie rules football not long ago, um, decided to give that up to go to a, 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 a American football kicking camp in, in the hosted by a former uh, Green Bay Packers punter um, who was doing it over. It's called Pro Kick Australia. So he goes there and the guy's like, oh, you should go and join, you know, uh, American college. So he ends up going to University of Cal California, Berkeley, um, you know, stars there as their punter. And then, I mean, stars as much as you can as a punter, I guess, right? But, uh, but you know, it, it just, it, it's an interesting story. Now he's in the CFL training camp, right? Um, and, and potentially can make the team. Now, interesting thing about that punting situation is here's an Australian who can kick the ball different ways. You know, and that's the thing. You can do the end over end, which you don't really do too much in, in, in American. And, and well, you, you don't do it in, in CFL football very often, but. You know, here's a guy who's kind of honed his craft on on, on the spiral, kicking the spiral. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting camp because there's just not a lot really going on in terms of battling for positions. Like um, honestly, I, I was it, I was on with uh, yeah. with Dusty this morning. Yeah, and I'm like, listen, there's no big stories. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's time to get going. However, if you're looking for something interesting, um, check the punters. I mean, Mark Legio, I would yeah. imagine like Legio needs to win that job to be. On the roster, lose, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. And he does. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, right? If, if Mark Leggio doesn't win that job, maybe he plays Pete practice roster. Maybe another team picks him up, but I don't think he's here, right? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, ideally, this team. I mean, this team was lucky for so long to have Justin Medlock, who could do both, and 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 they didn't really have any issues with that. And and Leggio had been doing both for the last couple of seasons as well. Um, but couldn't really, you know, the field goals were the problem, right? I mean, he missed one that would have put this team 10-0 and last year. Uh, and obviously, I mean, we all know what happened uh, later. Well, we would have, that, that that kick was going wide. It didn't matter what anybody says. He watched that thing go off his foot. That was going wide. But regardless, um, you know, they, they brought in Sergio, uh, Sergio Castillo, and, and they, they've kind of shored up that on that front. But Mark Leggy was very good at punting. I mean, I, you know, Derek Taylor the voice of the Bombers on CJOB is talked a little bit about, you know, how good Mark Lego was at punting. I think he was maybe, and he has all those wacky stats in, in football that I don't completely follow. Um, but, you know, they all point to Mark Lego being, a, a, you know, a, a, a better than serviceable punter. So I, I believe it is his job to lose, but they brought in some competition for him. Right. And I think, um, yeah, I, the other one that I thought is that the Navy SEAL, the Navy SEAL, um, forget his name offhand right now but that that's a cool story too here's a guy who wanted to play college football and so he, he he leaves the seals after getting all that training and and going through all that hell that you go through to become a navy seal and you now they've played him now at linebacker uh, they had him at fullback uh at one point he's a long snapper um he'll likely be the long snapper on this team but um you know this guy's built like a, a tank right like he he is huge um, and so, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they use him, assuming he makes the Most team. versatile so long too. snapper around, <laughs> know. you know, if you're, <laughs> you can do all well, that. This guy is never going to quit, right? Like, this guy <laughs> will never quit, no matter what happens, right? Breaks his leg. Like, <laughs> this you is know, like, these guys are going, yeah, this is not, this is exactly, this is nothing for this guy, right? So, you know, it, it's been an interesting camp, but like the stories have been, there's just not those challenges, right, that they've had in, in years past, or the competition that they've, let's say, had in years past, um, at least in my opinion. But, you know, but there's been some cool stories, guys trying to kick, re, you know, you know, reignite their careers, some guys who played in the XFL. I mean, the COVID, right, you've had some guys that have come through that and 
didn't maybe didn't play football for a year and are now trying to get back into it. And so, yeah, it, it, there's some interesting stories like there is all the time in, in the CFL training camps. But um, in terms of just, you know, pure competition, it's it, it's pretty set. And I think that's exciting for Bomber fans because um, you've seen how good this team has been since 2019. Right. And 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 and, and part of that to me has been continuity right throughout whether it's been on the defensive line or the offensive line at quarterback, the receivers have always been good. They have probably the best receiving core in the CFL right now. I don't think it's close. Um, you know, so th- there's a lot of that stuff. Uh, and, and so it, it, there's an excitement, I think, about that, that, that there should be for fans that this team, again, is going to be very good um, and, and contending again for, for, for another great cup. No doubt about it. We'll have more on the Bombers next week as we get closer to the preseason opener at home. And then, of course, the home opener the following weekend as the 18-game schedule gets going in earnest. Scott Billick from the Suns with us. Scott, I know you've tweeted about this a few times. (laughs) (laughs) So... So what yeah. is your perspective on this? Like we've talked about it a yeah. little bit and people have had. So how should we guess- feel <laughs> about Paul Maurice going on this magical run to the Stanley Cup final? And is there anything we can, does it change at all what, or maybe the people's perspective on his run here in Winnipeg and uh, and how it ended? Yeah, so I got your chat up here because I'm interested to kind of see kind of how people <laughs> react to, you know, whatever I say on this. Not that I, you know, it's not that I don't care. Uh, I, I think, first of all, the people that are upset about Paul Maurice going, leaving, and I understand it. I was, I was, I've been thinking about this for a few days. I've been trying to write something on it. I don't really know exactly kind of how to tackle it because, like, I can understand why a fan would be upset about what happened. Because here's a head coach who, and we, we don't have to really sugarcoat, he walked out on the team. He quit on the team midway through a season, takes a half a season off to rest and recover and do all the other things you would do after having an eight-and-a-half-year run in, in a city, or eight-year run at least, uh, in a city. And then, you know, at the end of last summer, takes on the job of, of, of the Florida Panthers head coach. And, you know, so I, I think there was probably some upset people then but then to see kind of how this team and let's not pretend that this team this Florida team was great all season right they they backdoored it into the playoffs they were a goal away uh they were a Pittsburgh I think win away or uh, I forget somebody's been doing the, the calculation here but it's, it, that last game of the year where oh, Buddy Pittsburgh Robinson, yeah, that's Buddy it. Robinson but, scored for the Blackhawks right, in Pittsburgh it. yeah to end and Pittsburgh and then Pittsburgh would have been in, in. Right, exactly. And we wouldn't be talking about this at all, right? So that's how thin the margin was for Florida to get into the playoffs. But you you can't look past the fact that they took – first of all, they came from 3-1 down against the Bruins to beat them in seven games. Like, that's that's incredible in and of itself. If they would have lost there, you would have said eighth-place team took off – you know, they, they beat the the historic Boston Bruins, right? The historic team that, that won 60 – was it, 64 games, you know, most in NHL history – in the regular season, all that. The historic rate run, they knocked well, I always talk about but, that. I mean, if we want to talk about the craziness of how they got in, let's not forget that with 15 seconds left in game five and a face-off yeah. in the Boston end, somehow the Panthers and Weger, or uh, not Weger, uh, Montour, who's yeah. been so good this playoffs, misplays yeah. the puck, and Brad Marchand has a clear-cut breakaway 
with five seconds left, and Bob sticks out his leg. If that puck goes in, they're out. Boston moves on in five, and again, we're talking about it. I mean, there has been some miraculous things. That being said, but they are making the is, most right? of it. Yeah, yeah and, and there always is. There always is along a playoff run. There's always something that happens um, that leads you to you know winning. Like you go back to Philadelphia, you know, twelve years, thirteen years ago. Um, they were up three nothing in the series, and they ended up blowing it. They're the fourth team ever to do it. Things happen, right? And so, but I think there, you know, you look at how they beat Toronto. They, they the confidence that they took from that Bruins win, they've they, they've they've ridden that the whole way. They've had Bob obviously playing out of his mind. Matthew Kachuk's been unreal, but I think people have, haven't given this team kind of a lot of credit for what they've done, and that's part of it. I think Paul Maurice has had to go into that dressing room and really make sure these guys don't lose their heads, right? Like, I think also that this team has a lot of players that that are trying to prove themselves. You look at this roster up and down. They're, te- they're, team, they're players that, you know, you know, Brian Martur, you talked about him. He bounced around the league quite a bit, right? Um, Matthew Kachuk had to live up to a lot of uh, expectation here based on how that trade went last summer, and he's been unbelievable, potentially uh, you know, depending how the, the, the final goes, could be your Conn Smythe winner if it's not Bob or whoever. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm struggling to find to, oh, I mean, it wouldn't matter to me either way whether I'm upset at Paul Maurice or not. I mean, but I can understand why fans are upset about it. But I, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's moved on, it's over, and he went over and took over a team. And, and to me, I think it's a bit of a slap in the face for for the Jets more than anything because you look at the way that he's taken this Florida team and, and, and everybody on that team is pushing in the same direction. And he has the year of all of those guys. And maybe we can say that eight years, you know, sometimes you lose a team in another way. And, and I, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that Palmer said, uh, you know, he owns his fair share, hundred percent, his fair share of how this room kind of got away from him and the rest of the team. And, and maybe, you know, there was just too much of him, but I think, you know, coaches, when they move on to a next job, oftentimes they, you know, they, they learn from their past mistakes or whatever it is. They just have a different group of players and that sort of thing. And, and you know, Palm Reese is, is stepped up and, 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 and led a team back to the Stanley Cup final the first time in 21 years for him. Like, uh, I think it's a, it, it's a cool story. You know, at the end of the day, like, this is a cool story. And, and. You know, this is one of the things I wrote in my newsletter this week. Like, you know, I, I don't care if they win or lose, but the, the story here couldn't be like. I mean, you you wouldn't you wouldn't find this in like in Hollywood or anything. It, it's a, it's a really cool story. To see a head coach who basically, I mean, he threw his hands up and gave up on the team 17 months ago, and 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 then has gone on to to coach another team to the Stanley Cup final. The fact that he walked out of Winnipeg and the Stanley Cup final. You don't see that very often. That's do a cool you, do story. You th- so. Do you think that, like, I'll be honest, and I mean, I don't know whether we need to relitigate because God no, knows know. we spend a lot of yeah, time yeah. talking about this, but do you actually think he just 100% left on his own doing? I, I Like, put it this way. I think yeah. it was obvious that it had gone to where something had, had to happen. Ha- and sure. I'm not sure whether they were just sort of making it um, right. p- expressing a firing differently. Like, I'm pretty All sure right. he got paid. Like, oh, I, I, I'm, like I'm let's sure face too, yeah. it, a lot of other people, if you just say, you know what, I'm not working anymore, I mean, that's a breach of contract. You don't get paid. So right. 
like the truth is somewhere in the middle in all of that. But I'll tell you what, and I don't know about slapping the face to the Jets, but I'll tell you what, I think this has got to be a real eye opener for particular members of that hockey team that were probably well, looking back sort of I mean, and yeah. thinking and thinking about what the opportunity that they had and the way things went um, with some with some real regret. Because the wow. one thing you can say about this Florida Panthers team, and listen, Matthew Kachuk's leading the way, but I mean, they, you know, whether it's a Barkov, who's always been an incredible two-way player, this is not new under Paul Maurice, but the buy-in that they are playing and the way they're doing it right now, like Mike Kelly, who is one of my favorite guys that covers the game, he's not an opinionated dude. He looks right. at things from from a pretty analytical perspective. Analytical. I just retweeted this out. If you're listening to this right now, go to my Twitter at Hustlerama. You can see the video from Mike. But he said, this was the tweet. He said, Sergey Bobrovsky is the biggest reason the Panthers are one win away from the Stanley Cup final. But he's not the only reason. Give Paul Murray credit for recognizing in July what his team had to become to have success in April, May, and June. And I remember, you know, at times, you know, we said, oh, we've got all these really talented players. Why are they dumping it in so much and all about it? You know Why? Because you need to get you need to get proficient in winning those puck battles. Because at yeah. this point of the time of the of the year, when you're playing against other great determined teams with not a lot of space and every inch is competed for the way it is, if you can't compete at that level and if you can't win those battles, you're not going to win. And the Panthers went from a team that never did that last year. And there were obviously some growing pains. And listen, they almost missed the playoffs. I'm not going to say that this was a Picasso all year long. But Mike's point, and he uses some great videos showing the differences from last year, their tendencies to this year. Maurice worked all year long to try to teach a team that had already won a President's Trophy what they're going to need to do to win the Stanley Cup. And... I'm not sure how long ago it was towards the end of the season, probably in the last 15 games. And there were some ups and downs, but there wasn't a lot of consistency from Florida. Mm-hmm. And you remember that game where he absolutely lost yeah, it. Lost I mean, it, it yeah. was a full, I mean, a five-star Maurice yeah. rang out yeah. in Toronto. And since that point, they have been pretty darn close to playing the blueprint of this. And that's why Jack Hand wrote that I, going into the playoffs, this Florida team, is a real stylistic challenge for the Boston Bruins. And the Boston Bruins still win that series, and Marshawn just puts that one shot yeah. in. Yeah. But all of that, I mean, there's a lot of things that you know need to conspire together to get to a team uh, to this point. But the one thing that I think you have to tip your hat to Maurice and, frankly, the Panthers for acknowledging and buying in um, is that they are all pulling on the rope the same way there's no players that are sort of thinking, nah, I'd rather do it my way. Um, and we're seeing <laughs> right? what's happening right now. You know, well, this is the thing, right? You, you just compare and contrast it to what you saw in the playoffs from the Jets. And and I don't know how anybody with a, you know, a sound mind would sit there and look and say, hey, you know, the Jets are, yeah, the Jets aren't far off from that. It's like, no, I mean, the Jets are miles from that. <laughs> if you watch the first because, four periods of the playoffs, you would well, think sure, that. Maybe, <laughs> sure, yeah. But then you watch game five, and you're like, I don't think Florida's ever had a game five in this series, right? I mean, or in, in this playoffs. I mean, you can say all you want that, yeah, in some games they got outplayed and the analytics or whatever. Carolina is a high-shot volume team, and that's why they've always been. But you look back at Florida the whole season. One of the things that, that a lot of people said about Florida this season was that they were really, really good analytically, offensively, but it just wasn't, you know, coming out onto the ice, right? I mean, the the, the eye test wasn't matching 
the numbers. They weren't scoring the goals. They weren't, you know. They were like the Flames. Like, They'd outshoot right. a team by 15 and lose. Right. And so and so now, but you're starting to see it now, right, where this team is. And, and, and like, you have to give this team credit. They've knocked off the three best teams in the Eastern Conference. And they've done the last two with ease, right? And and don't I'm not going to say like I agree with Rod Brindamore. That was a close series, right? That 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 oh, wasn't yeah. a sweep in the traditional sense of you know a sweep. Like they didn't. It wasn't like you know the brooms and it was real easy and that sort of thing. That was a that was a tough that was a tough tough series that they they came out on the right side four times in a row. But I think it, it's absurd to me not to give Palmery some credit. And I've had to come around to this too because. You know, and Kenny's coming on. He'll know because I mean, he's probably going to smile when I say this. But you know, I, I was—he's smiling in the green room right now. But you know, I, I was convinced at the end of Perlmuter's reign that he just—you know—he couldn't really do it anymore, right? Like, I mean, he couldn't get this Jets team over the hump, and and there was a lot of things that went into that or whatever, right? But I, I think the way—and I've, I've thought about this, you know, at least a lot over the last few days—and the way that Paul Maurice could could become, you know. He could get you to want to run through a brick wall for him, right? And that's exactly where he has the Florida Panthers right now. And 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 there's no better place in the playoffs to be than to want to play and want to win for your head coach and want to play his way because you know that it's it, it's a it's a win. You've you've seen the reinforcement. You've won. You've beaten the Bruins. You've beaten the Maple Leafs. And now you've beaten the Hurricanes. Like even if Vegas goes through here, and 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 you know there, there's a great argument that Vegas can win the series. Are the Florida Panthers not the favorites going into this series? Like, it, it's a weird thing to say, but the way that they have been playing and the way that they have been able to take care of some of the best teams in the NHL, like, they're built to play those teams, right? The strong forecheck, uh, the, the Matthew Kachuk that pisses you off on every place. So is you Vegas. Watch, uh, yeah. That's why it'll be so such Vegas. a great series, yeah. assuming well, that Vegas it's does a, get through. I mean, to answer, I, yeah, okay, so, go ahead. I was just well, going to say, to answer your question, yeah. it's going to be, I, I've been looking at some advanced lines ahead of last night's sure. game. Yeah. And Vegas was the favorite, but it's slight. Um, it? I yeah. mean, we're not okay. talking about, you know, a, a large gap between uh, between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think we can assume at this point, it's, and, you know, four teams have done this, right? So, you know, coming back from threes up down, maybe Dallas can do it. Who knows? Um but right now we got to assume it's Vegas because that's just kind of the way that history has always played out in these situations. But I think it's a great series, right? You're, it, 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 it's it, and, and I think they've been calling it what the tax-free, the tax-free Stanley Cup series yeah. or the tax-free bowl or whatever they're calling it. I think that's all whatever. I mean, you know, it doesn't happen all the time that you see, you know, the tax-free states. And and I get it. You can look at Tampa in the last couple of years, and Dallas was in the final and all that. Or whatever. It's certainly but not hurting those organizations. It's not, I will it's tell not you that. Them, but it, it, but it's, it's it's so much more than just like tax free and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I think you know Florida is 100% deserve where they're at right now to get to where they're at. They've played well. They've had great goaltending. I mean, people complaining, well, well, Bob stole them games. Well, yeah, that's the playoffs, right? Like I mean, yeah. you know, the goalies steal games because I mean that's just the way it goes. Look at Mark Andre Fleury on the way. Um, you know, to the Western Conference Final when the Jets played him. Mark Andre Flair put up a 950. And so he didn't in the Stanley Cup Final against Washington. So Washington won that and series. They lost, but, yeah. but I just, I find it so, I think people just want to be upset. There's, there's not everybody. I think there's, there's a certain group of fans from Winnipeg that just are not happy to see Paul Maurice succeed. 
and it's just a weird thing to me, right? Like, and I just like it's something I don't understand. And um, you know, I, I have no horse. I don't care if Paul Maurice wins or loses the Stanley Cup final. The story is incredible, though. If he does, if he just goes from from you know, we can argue, debate about walking out or whatever. Hey, but there were guys. There that, were guys that wanted him fired. Yeah. This year. Um, well, and yeah. and who knows if they don't if Pittsburgh wins that game, who knows what the offseason right. is like? Anyways, we got another series yeah. to find out. I'll see you at the uh, hoops tomorrow. Yeah. Have a great yeah, weekend, Scott. Yeah, have a good one. See There's Scott now. Billick yeah. from uh, the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, Kenny Weeb on deck right now, and uh, I know Ken's probably hit the grill quite a bit already. Golf course and grilling the offseason for Weeb's world. Um, if you're thinking about grilling on the weekend, you might want to head down to Vita Health Fresh Market and check out their delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. Not to mention great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And when you order online, you can now choose same-day local delivery at myvita.ca. Just place your order by 11 a.m. and you'll get your order that same day. Orders placed after 11 will be delivered the next day. Vita Health Fresh Market 7 locations in Winnipeg, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And you can always shop online as well at myvita.ca. Uh, if you need a fence or overhead door work and frankly, you don't want to build it or want to talk to the experts, you need to get to Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist doing it for residential and commercial customers since 1946. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link or wood fence options. And if you need to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700 to set up an appointment for a free estimate or visit them at wallacefences.com or pop into their showroom, pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston to find out more. How's the closet looking, fellas? Is the wardrobe looking good for spring and summer? If you need to upgrade it, get ready for wedding season, you need to head down to F Apparel. Up your menswear game heading into spring and summer with F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. A 15% discount for wedding parties if you and the fellas need to get looking good for the big day together. And uh, 2023 high school grads, free custom shirt and tie from F Apparel with the purchase of a new suit for high school grads this year. 190 Smith Street downtown is where F Apparel's at. You can make an appointment or check them out online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And hey, with the heat warning in effect, I don't know if there's ever been a better time in 2023 to head down to Nick and Nicky DQ and grab some of those delicious ice cream treats and on to the new summer blizzard flavors that have just dropped. Do it at any of their four locations. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And if you do need a blizzard or ice cream cake for your next event, get it custom made with whatever you want on it by hitting them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. All right. Well, it looks like he's at home base right now. I didn't know whether we'd be catching him on the Manitoba golf tour or potentially the Minnesota golf tour on the way to see the Jays and the Twin Cities on the weekend. But Sportsnet's Ken Weeb joins us for a little Friday frolic. What is up, Weaver? How are you? Good afternoon, Huss. Great to be with you. Uh, yes, you know, I do like to take the uh, jaunt down to Minneapolis to see the Blue Jays. Uh, didn't quite line up with the timing this year, but uh, it not, has nothing to do with their, you know, two of their last Horrible 11 slump. in the AL East either. Uh, not a fair weather when it comes to the Blue Jays, but 
I was waiting to see what was shaking with the rest of the uh, playoffs here. And as you know, I've been covering the uh, Eastern Conference final, albeit remotely from uh, from the headquarters here. So, yeah, no, it's interesting time. Uh, the tour, uh, I am not have not gone into the Jeff Hamilton uh, garage sale mode yet, uh, but I was enjoying the uh, earlier in the week discussions that you guys had. Uh, you know, I'm here I wonder for if the- he's going <laughs> on the waters tonight. Friday is apparently the new yes, night now. I, I, I know that I, you know, for, for folks who didn't uh, hear... Uh, definitely a great content opportunity for the both of you, and uh, I, I'm here for it. I'm here to say that I'm here for it. Uh, as for things that are happening, yeah, it's been an interesting week for sure uh, on the hockey front. Not a whole lot shaking uh, on the on the on the regular uh, home homebound front. I did post a column just now, Huss, that you wouldn't have seen yet on the. Uh, Maybe the Jets and Canes could uh, find themselves as trade partners here. Just having covered that series, there were, there were several times I, I couldn't help but wonder. Uh, I know I've mentioned kind of in passing maybe Shifley and Brindamore as a, as a, you know, not necessarily the, the natural mix, but uh, after watching how they struggled offensively, Huss, I still do wonder if Mark Shifley might make sense for them. Uh, we know that they're a team that has a lot of pending UFAs in 2024, much like the Jets are. We know they're not afraid uh, either to run with a goalie or a goalie tandem going into the final year of unrestricted free agency, like we just saw here with Auntie Ranta and Freddie Anderson. So to me, that naturally would put Connor Hellebuck potentially on the radar if the Jets are in a position where they have to move him. I just wonder, I mean, there's going to be other teams, and we've talked about them a lot, Huss, and you know, as I looked into their roster a little bit, I, I couldn't help but notice uh, someone like Marty Natchez, who... Had a tough playoff, uh, just one assist in his last five games. This is a 24-year-old who is a natural center, used mostly on the wing with the Hurricanes. We know they're strong down the middle with Aho and uh, Stahl and Kokniemi and, and company, but uh, I have to wonder if, I'm not saying they're going to panic and make a move with Natchez. Uh, what I am saying is they're a team that has set a certain limit in terms of what they're willing to pay their players. Natchez led their team in scoring this year on a two-year bridge deal that paid him $3 million. So naturally, I wonder if he might be someone who gets squeezed out eventually. I, I think they're going to commit to him, Huss, but I mean, if you're the Jets, uh, that is a 24-year-old and around the same age bracket as Pierre-Luc Dubois who would be able to fill one of those top two center positions if they need to be filled. Uh, is he a UFA at the end of his Rf- deal? RFA right now, just so, so he's still just uh, in a restricted situation. I just wonder about the Aho is a UFA in 2024, Huss. So to me, Aho and Pesci, those are guys that are going to probably re-sign. So where does that leave someone well, like Natchez? It's funny you bring that up because Natchez was a guy that we had talked mm-hmm. about last summer when mm-hmm. we were talking about potential things. And I think, think this sort of gets to, unfortunately, the situation that the Winnipeg Jets have, are finding themselves in. The, the, the inactivity or lack of action over the last couple of years has put them into a situation where they're in a lot of ways probably being forced to make some of these moves. And if you had your eye on Natchez last year, you're probably going to be you might, you might have a little bit more success grabbing a guy coming off a 40 point season than Fair. after being the leading scorer at 24 years old. No, no, for sure, but I mean, mm. Huss, the other thing too, what we've been talking about Carolina, they haven't been able to score and Natchez was one of those guys who was their leading scorer and then didn't score in the playoffs. That's not to say that he didn't have chances and he obviously did and you know, he missed Svechnikov and uh, you know, that's obvious, but I'm not saying they should panic and move them. What I am saying is that sometimes teams that are in a rush to win the championship and are in their win-now window like the Panthers are, sorry, the Hurricanes are, 
may consider, you know, more of a you know, battle-tested stock like Shifley, who is, you know, just coming off a 42-goal season. As great as Natchez was, 42 goals for Shifley, 28 for Natchez. Yeah, I understand one guy's 30 years old, 31 years old, and the other is 24 and has played in the playoffs in each of the last four years and is just starting to figure it out. Uh, what I am saying is that I am curious also too. I'm also as curious about Hellebuck for them as I am about Shifley. Um, obviously, they're looking for some cost uh, security hus, especially at a time where they may be looking at extending someone like Aho. They just rolled this year with uh, Freddie at 4.5 and Ranta at 2.0. Uh, Kachekov, uh, you know, obviously he was on his ELC, but he's going to two million next year. He's the only goalie in this organization under contract. I don't think, I mean, they love him and he's a great prospect, but if you're trying to win and you were just the second best team in the NHL and came eight wins short of your ultimate goal, I'm not certain that Kachetkov is the guy they're ready to roll with for 50 starts next year. Enter Connor Hellebuck, one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League. And Huss, we've talked about this for years. How good do you think Hellebuck might be on a team that is so as stingy as a team like the Carolina Hurricanes uh, compared to the volume and quality he has been facing uh, during his eight seasons as the Jets starter. I mean, to me, if you're Don Waddell, you'd have to be giving that a serious look and thinking, hey, we can provide this guy the type of stability. And Hus, I mean, can they sign him? Would they be willing? We know uh, it's unlikely they'd be willing to go to nine or ten uh, in the next deal for Hellebuck to keep him around. But if they put a banner up, I'm pretty sure they'd be all all in on a on a one year I wouldn't even call that a rental that's a one year deal with one of the best goalies in the league with one of the stingiest defensive teams as it is that doesn't solve their goal scoring problem but it certainly would help and I'm, this is not to suggest the hurricanes goaltending let them down it did not but no matter how you argue it the hurricanes had the second best goalie in the series and sometimes that's not fair huss it's happened to hellebuck himself but the best goalie in the series was pretty clearly at the other end of the ice. Uh, so I'm not saying they're looking to upgrade the position. But, you know, if you're in win-now mode, and Huss, the crazy thing about Carolina, 12 consecutive losses in the Eastern Conference Final, including four this year and four in 2019 with much of the same core, that just reinforces how hard it is to win. The Hurricanes were the second-best team in the NHL this year, they got halfway to their goal, Huss, and it's not long ago you and I were talking about this when it came to the Jets. The Jets got nine wins out of the 16 required. They had a pretty darn good team, and they haven't sniffed it since. Carolina's been back a second time and still didn't sniff it, and they had a great team, right? So, I mean, it, it's now what happens next? I mean, now does Don Waddell have some regret for not adding another forward outside of Jesse Pugliarvi at the deadline? I mean, I would think he might, and that's why I think Shifley could still be in the mix there. Even though it's not a natural fit, he doesn't play their style the same way that you would expect them to in terms of the tenaciousness. But Shifley said this year, Huss, he wants to be coached. I can't imagine a guy who would, would be digging in on the coaching side more than Rod Brindamore, a guy who knows a thing or two about two-way play. I mean... I hate to be uh, the cynic here, but I mean, I know Shifley said that he wanted to be coached and for about half the year, he sort of bought into that. And then in the second half of the season, he seemed to be pretty much directly at odds with a guy that was doing 
many of the things and trying to preach many of the things that we're seeing the successful teams do right now that are still playing in the playoffs. No, Hassan, that's totally fair. But what I, what I would say is different between la- this current season and next season uh, is that said player is looking to be cashing in on his next deal. And one of the things that you know could be required is some of that uh, might have to shine up the car, uh, you know, when it comes to, to the next uh, sale of the car, uh, if you will. So he certainly took care of the goal scoring portion. And Hus- you know this, that there's always a coach or a GM that thinks that they can be the ones who turn this player into the next version or the better version of them uh, of that player, right? So for Shifley, he's got no problem. He's an elite offensive talent. Does he need to improve his defensive game? Of course. It's been that way for years. This is a guy whose reputation took a bit of a hit the last couple of years in terms of that defensive portion. And I would think that the Hurricanes are a team that might not be afraid of the $6 million bet. Like, I'm not saying it's the same deal. Obviously, Vegas moved Pacioretty for cap reasons, but they went they they made a gamble on a guy who was going into an expiring deal. Obviously, he got hurt twice, and it didn't pay off for them. And yes, of course, Vegas made it worth their while, and this is not the same scenario I don't think they'd be scared. I mean, Max Pacioretty's not exactly known as a two-way uh, ferocious force, either on the back check or the four check. So they brought him in for goal scoring. So I could see them looking at Shifley as a goal scoring possibility. And you talked about this with Hammer earlier in the week. For Shifley, Carolina is perfect. They've got their leadership structure well in place. Mark just needs to show up and play hockey. And that, to me, might and buy in. Right, for sure, the buy-in is the most important part. But us, here's the other part of that: if the buy-in's not there, Mark's only hurting himself because he's going to hurt his value going into the most important summer of his career. Right. Well, so let, let me just quickly on that because um we've been talking about you know what's available via unrestricted free mm-hmm. agency this summer, and it is it's light um, when you look at the top fifty free agents. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, if the Jets trade these centers for futures, I mean, who would be guys that would be able to be there? Or we're talking about Max Domi, maybe. I mean, there's no there's no players of a Shifley caliber right now that are there. But then you look ahead to the following summer and the Ajos of the world. It seems like it's a very different, different story for the summer of 2024. And just as you said that, Ken, I got thinking. For players like Shifley especially, but even Pierre-Luc Dubois as well, does it make sense for them to try, if they are being traded, for the Winnipeg Jets to try and engage with teams that will extend them now um, so that they are not in a, first of all, a one more season where you know things can go up and down, but basically secure the bag now and have that cost certainty going forward as opposed to going into it, a UFA market for Shifley on the wrong side of 30 with far more competition for those dollars than, for instance, would be right now if he was a free agent this summer. Yeah, I mean, there's competition today, Huss, for sure. But what, you know, what if Carolina signs Ajo on July 1st, right? I mean, as soon as July 1st comes, we're going to have clarity with Matthews and Marner and some of these other guys too. Not not Marner in the, you know, future extension sense because he has the extra year, extra but year, yeah. some of those other guys... Would it make sh- sense for the team? Of course, Huss. Does it make sense for the player? And now Shifley's in a different situation than Dubois, you know, 31 versus 24 turning 25 for sure. Yeah. But these players, Huss, the other 
piece of uncertainty for the player. How much is the cap going up? It's only one mil this year, but in year two or three of that extent, that extension that you'd be considering to sign, is the cap up seven million or is it up twelve million? Right? I mean, that's that's a big difference. So, I wonder if there's going to be more players looking to roll the dice rather than secure the bag. Now, Shifley maybe not fits doesn't maybe fit in that category because of his age, but some of the younger players. And even a guy like Aho is a great example, Huss. I mean, people still talk, oh, well, why'd the Canadians uh, do that? Well, that uh, offer sheet was never made sense at all. Well, it sure makes sense in one regard because Carolina is going to have to make a decision on a guy who's in his prime years, right? Five, the five-year term was the advantage because now Aho could come to market earlier than if it would have been an eight-year deal, right? So that didn't help the Canadians immediately, but it might help the rest of the league if the Hurricanes can't secure his services. Now, how that relates to Shifley and Dubois, we don't know, but there are probably a couple players, Huss, that that wouldn't mind just taking that one-year deal and riding it out and then seeing what the uh, good old hockey-related revenue uh, looks like in the 2024 summer when teams may have a little bit more money to spend. Now, having said that, is there risk involved in that? Of course there is. There's also risk involved, and Shifley knows this better than anyone, there's also risk involved in committing early because sometimes you feel that your value wasn't exactly maximized. So, you know, how that pertains to the Jets players, I'm not certain. And, you know, sticking on that front, what does it mean for Hellebuck? And, you know, does Hellebuck want to sign an extension with his team, Huss? Or would Connor Hellebuck be just fine rolling into Carolina or somewhere like that, having a great year, potentially having another Vesna-like season, maybe tossing a Stanley Cup on the resume to even bolster his stock for the summer of 2024? I mean, if you're a player, I mean, that's got to have some appeal also. Now, of course, there's risk involved in that, Huss, but I mean, to me, that's a a ready-made situation. And don't get me wrong. I I just mentioned Carolina as a possibility because they just covered their series. There are going to be other teams that have already been brought to the forefront and others who could be lurking in the weeds that are thinking Connor Hellebuck immediately makes them a Stanley Cup contender or front-runner. And those are the teams we'd expect to hear in these five weeks leading up to the NHL draft. Um, let, let's focus on the centers for a minute. And I guess, I mean, Connor Hellebuck, you know, if he is traded. It's still a bit, it's still an if us, but it, it is, it, it, it is, is something that we have to acknowledge as a real possibility. Well, absolutely. And I think that the reason why I bring that up is that if you know you're trading two centers, but you're also trading a Vesna winning goaltender, you know, you could potentially fill one hole with what you get for one position and yes. vice versa on the others. But focusing on the centers, Ken, as we speak right now with what you're hearing, um, what do you think the ask is right now? I mean, what what are the are, are the Winnipeg Jets looking to go one for one and try and keep this team where it's at? Or is there a recognition that maybe younger players under team control, first and foremost, that can grow into players that'll be Winnipeg Jets longer than any sort of term that would be on a more established player coming back in a deal. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know the answer to that. I I understand what I would expect them to be doing Huss, And and that would be what you've been mentioning for for the last few weeks here, but it depends what's being offered and what's available. And and that's the thing that we won't know until all the teams are out. I mean, Mm -hmm. certainly there would be teams talking and discussing and they've made their own boards and they've made their own teams that they want to attack or engage in conversation with. But until the thing is wrapped up and, you know, the last team, one team's holding the cup and the other team's feeling nothing but disappointment, uh, then you know where some of those teams are at in terms of what their future structure is. I mean, 
And until until there's a real bidding war or until there's more teams interested, then the leverage is all on the side of the player, which is what we've been talking about from the beginning. And Connor Hellbuck made it clear for himself that he fits in that same category. And same for Dubois and Shifley to a degree. Uh, the difference being Dubois needs a contract for next season. But, you know, it's impossible to know. I mean, what you need, Hassan, we've talked about this for weeks. You need a team that is in a similar... If you're the Jets and you're trying to avoid the rebuild, which we expect them that to be the case for them you need to find a team that's looking to change the mix in the same manner that you are you have good players on both sides but the mix hasn't been right so far maybe this player helping that part of the mix where you maybe are deficient can send someone where they have an excess of that particular player and send it your way and maybe that will help you Uh, you know what teams those are and how desperate those teams are we won't know until probably the week of the draft there will be rumblings hus for sure but until there's a real competition for those players' services, those other teams are – you talked about it perfectly with Jeff. It's a game of chicken and who's going to blink. And the problem for the Jets is that you're not only blinking on one person. You're blinking potentially on three and probably four. And if all four are gone, there may be five and six and seven and eight that are wanting – to be knocking on the door and saying, if that's the direction we're going, get me out of here immediately. And again, that's not to set off alarm bells, Huss, but the players made it pretty clear at the podium, uh, especially the players we are discussing currently, they didn't have a lot of interest in a rebuild. So then what does the retool look like? And, you know, the whole thing, the domino effect here, Huss, who's first and what does that mean for the other people, right? I mean, that's the other thing that we're not going to know for a while. I mean, when we look at the big decisions for the Jets, one of the earliest big decisions was were the Jets going to sign Dustin Bufflin or Andrew Ladd? They didn't wait till the end. They were negotiating with both people, and by the time one of them accepted, the other was moved. So this time it's a little bit different because there's probably multiple pieces being moved, but we kind of don't know which of those balls will get the uh, the race rolling here on the let's use the marble race analogy for a Friday afternoon here um, I'm not 100% certain I know a lot of people have been suggesting it's got to be Dubois first and that might be the case but us the for me the, the biggest decision is on Hellebuck uh, Hellebuck is the guy that has been the backbone that's to take nothing away from what those two centers are and of course if the Jets lost both centers they would need to get two centers back or sign Nemesnikov and bring another one back to take the other job. But also, what are the Jets going to do in terms of the roster construction? Huss? You were talking about this with Scotty. Uh, there's a big difference between what the Panthers roster looks like compared to what the Jets roster looks like. And to me, part of that is in roster construction. So I think the Jets would be looking to move some of those pieces anyway, no matter what happened and no matter who was a pending UFA in 2024, because right now the mix is not in a situation where you can uh, so the Jets won one out of the possible sixteen this year. I don't think saying that running it back, the running it back is quite simply not an option, no matter how you you know, no matter how you cut it. So what pieces are you looking for? The teams still playing are a great example, right? Chandler Stevenson Huss was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights for a fifth round pick. He at the time was a fourth line center that occasionally played on the wing. Now, he has grown into a very valuable piece. Now, the Jet Scouts, it's up to them to identify someone in a similar manner. Stevenson is a very fast skater. He is not afraid to get his nose dirty. He's a really good penalty killer, plays on the power play. These guys don't grow on trees, 
but there are players in other organizations who have not been given a big role that might be able to flourish if given the opportunity. That's not to say Chandler Stevenson or someone like him, you know, earlier on in his career can fill the boots of Mark Shifley. That's not to say that at all. But those are the kind of players you're going to have to try to find if you're the Winnipeg Jets, whether that's in free agency, whether that's in trades, whether that's in whatever means necessary kind of mode, Huss. I mean, that's that's sort yeah. of where things are at. You know, and just going back to what you said about what we heard from the players on Garbage Bag Day, and I'm going to remove Helly from this because to me he's in a whole nother situation, frankly another stratosphere for the consistency and what he's delivered this team. But you talk about the guys that were saying, well, we're not in for a rebuild. Um, you know, I, like To be honest, I heard a bunch of guys that were frankly delusional about a lot of things. And the lack of accountability, like the fact that it was all about, oh, we were upset at Rick Bonus because he went off after the game. I mean, like I, I've spent a lot of time, and I'm interested in your perspective on this. Like, how do you think that went over in Kevin Dayoff's office? Because, you know, as much as they whatever Rick came out later on and sort of, you know, like he didn't back away from anything that he said. And I think anyone that watched that series and watched other series with the Winnipeg Jets would agree with everything that he said and certainly what happened this season. But, you know, when guys are talking about, oh, they're in for rebuild, I mean, they performances like that sometimes force teams to go in a different direction. Um, I mean, what, what do you think that that just the way that the season ended, having that happen again in the fashion that it did, um, and then, you know, a bunch of guys that, you know, were talking about how they didn't like the way their coach conducted themselves other than maybe the way they conducted themselves with their backs against the wall facing elimination in a playoff game five against Vegas? Yeah, I mean, Huss, it's, I don't know. To me, I'm not bothered. I mean, it's not something that has been keeping me up at night. Uh, did I like it or did I think it was, you know, the the mode that I would have thought no, that was if coming? you're the general no. manager that's put yeah. that team together, like Huss, the thing for me, some big decisions to be made. I think Kevin probably took more stock into what was said in the meetings with the players and what they said publicly, quite frankly. Um, to me, that sounded like a bunch of players that said, uh, you know, at the dinner the night before, or, you know, we're going to show him or whatever. Basically, that that's my interpretation. I don't know that to be true. Uh, to me, that sounded like you know, a team that had been, they're pissed off about losing and decided to take a stand. Do I think they could have taken a better stand? Of course. They were uh, way more pissed off by what the coach said, it sounded like, than actually losing the way they did. We didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, I mean, Huss, I mean, having been in the room after game five, there were pissed off players, and I know that to be the case. And I don't think that they would have been any less pissed off because Rick Bonus went off the, after the game at the podium. I mean, they were already pissed off about losing. Their effort in the series was quite high outside of game five. So, I mean, is it a recurring theme for this group? Something that we saw in St. Louis? Yes, it, it has, has happened with that core group before. And that, that, is, that, is, that is absolutely 100% true. Does that mean, does it have any impact on what happens this offseason or in the, in the summer or in the next season when it starts? I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're always looking for for more clues. And to be honest, at the podium, those guys, uh, I think they have very little interest in being at the podium two days after they've lost and are going home for the summer. And that's why podium, you know, it used to be, let's just put it this way. When, when the exit interview days used to occur, when the interviews were happening in the room, I would say the conversations were probably way more casual, but add a little bit more substance to them. I think it's a terrible format for players to speak because 
generally it's very awkward having someone beside you, depending on who's sitting beside you. And, you know, look no further than Pierre-Luc Dubois sitting with per- Cole Perfetti. Dubois gets drilled with six questions out of the gate and then hello, Cole. Like, you don't want to talk about your injury. Like, it's it's just not a great format. Why, why do they do it that way? I, I it's just made Some for teams t- don't. Made, most teams do it this way now, Huss. It's well, just sort of a made-for-TV Um I don't know. It's in the Is there content. any team that's more with more cameras and more TV than the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they weren't doing it. They yeah, had all their me, guys, and frankly, all their guys were wearing Leaf stuff too, which is one thing that you didn't see from any member of the Winnipeg Jet that day. Not that that's a big deal, but it was interesting to note the difference between the two clubs and the way that was handled, and frankly, what came out of the mouths of those two, two teams. Well, Huss, there was still a lot for the Leafs. A lot of they want to roll it back. I mean, a lot of those there. I didn't see a whole lot of pissed off about losing. I know they were, of course, but I mean, I didn't necessarily see a heck of a lot of accountability uh, on on that front either in terms of how the players responded uh, on some fronts. Yes, some of them did, obviously, but I mean, ultimately too, Huss, I mean, we're, we're in the media. We want to hear, you know, we want the quote, we want the sound bites. We want to hear, you know, people say, be a little bit more honest and forthcoming. And would we love that? Of course we would. But at the same time, I think that, what is said doesn't necessarily always lead to to what how the team is built or constructed in the off season. And you know, did I like what I heard? No, but I mean, does you know? I'm not. It's just an interesting situation. And if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, do you have to be cognizant of what was said and how it was said? Of course you do. But uh, I would. Well, they say they say actions are louder than words, and I'm sure he's far more concerned with the actions of for his sure. Team That's kind of what I'm getting half at. of that series. Sorry, Huss, I've been, I've been, Neither I've been of them were very good, though. <laughs> I've been looking for the words, and and you know, you took them right out of my mouth. Maybe you said it a lot more uh, concisely than I did in that situation, but um, it's it just the, the, there need to be changes. So this is this is just the way it is. I mean. How those changes are made, that that's going to determine what the course of history is for the Jets, right? I mean, trading Patrick Line or Patrick Line and Jack Rozovic for Pierre Luc Dubois, that was a signature moment for Kevin Cheveldayoff. Now, the first year we know didn't go well. The second year went pretty well personally, but not for the team. The third year he was an excellent player, and it went well for the team for until about January seventeenth. It's still a valuable player, but we talked about this last summer. Once Line A signed the three-year extension, it was you know, cog, you know, it was reliant on the Jets to either get a deal done or move him for a package that makes the Jets a good hockey team. Outside of that, it's now you're picking up the pieces with some other with some other players and trying to recoup some of the other assets. So this is a signature summer for Kevin Cheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets. And how they handle it is going to determine the course of action over the next, whatever it is, three to five years. And I think too, Huss, that this is something too that we've been talking about a lot for years. 2015, the Jets were not skilled enough to compete with the Anaheim Ducks, even though they had the lead in three of the four games and played very well and very hard against them. But they tilted a little bit too far to the right when it came to the skill level and they lost some of that other stuff that made them a hard working team that made them a blue collar team, a team that is reflective of the city Hus, And that is what they sort of, I think for me need to get back to. They have definitely have some pieces in the puzzle already and some really good examples of that already on the roster, but they need to get back to that. But it's easy to say that. And now all of a sudden, what what were we saying for those first five years of the Jets? Well, Brian Little scoring 65 points. He's not a number one center. Well, Brian Little was a very capable player. 
Now, all of a sudden, the Jets are going to be looking at potentially not having Shifley or Dubois. So unless you fill that hole, we're going to be back to the other part of the discussion, which is why the Jets don't have an 80-point player or a 42-goal scorer playing in the middle. Now, can Brad Lambert help with that in a couple of years? He's certainly going to help, no doubt. Can he play center at the NHL level? We have no idea. He's doing an excellent job at the Seattle Thunderbirds. They'll probably need to do an excellent job with the Manitoba Moose next year. And then we'll see what happens. But what's going to fill the gap? That That's what is up. You know, that's what Kevin Sheveldayoff is probably up late at night, most nights trying to think about. And they're not the only team in this situation. It's like we talked about off the gate. The Carolina Hurricanes, they also might be losing their number one center. And the Calgary Flames, their number one center is also up in 2024. And so is the Toronto Maple Leafs' number one center. So this is not just a Jets problem. This is a league-wide problem. And teams are going to have to either get creative or empty the bag, as you mentioned earlier. And in this situation, I'm not sure emptying the bag would help, though I'm not ruling it out as a possibility. But that's the other part. So how are you going to attract that talent if you are shipping, if you can't get it back in a trade, um, how are you going to get it in here? I mean, that's that goes back to the deadline. You know, my number one target was Ivan Barbashev, who just so happens to be a point-of-game player in the playoffs. But if you're Ivan Barbashev, who can play center or a wing, and he's currently on the top line of the Vegas Golden Knights, the only way you're signing in Winnipeg is if Winnipeg offers the most money, right? So... What's the number, and is that make the play? Is that make the Jets appealing to someone like Barbashev? Even though he's not a traditional number one center, he's playing on the wing. He has played some center, so I don't know. Historically, the Jets haven't been a primary free agent focus. You know, Matthew Perot ended up being a great fit there, Hus, but that was a guy who was not qualified by his former team that ended up being an incredible value buy for the Jets. Yeah, I, listen, I mean, and and, yeah, and and teams could only hope to have as good fortune as Vegas did with the heist of the century and Chandler Stevenson and what he's turned into. Uh, and I think a lot of credit goes to the way they've used him and the opportunity that he's sure. been given as well. Um, just before we go, like, if the Jets are in a situation where through trades, they've got a big hole at center in the top six, what do you think about Max Domi? And I say Domi just because, I mean, maybe there is a bit of a connection to Winnipeg. He was born here. His dad obviously loved his time here. I mean, he signed a one-year deal last year with a horrible team, ostensibly to be traded. This has happened. He's getting a chance to showcase himself a little later on, uh, a little more now in the postseason. Um, there will be, presumably, if that was the case, there would be an opportunity for a top six center spot for him. And he certainly does play with a lot more bite than, you know, than maybe they've had in that position, um, you know, from a guy like Shifley, for instance. Does that make sense to you? And, and any idea on what that would mean, like what a contract for Domi would look like? Um, presumably now I'm thinking he's looking a little more long term than the one year deal he signed last year with the Hawks. Yeah, for sure. And Domi is a guy who certainly, uh, you know, we know there's links to the Jets, not just because of Ty. We know that the year in 2013, the Jets looked at trading up to try to get him when Arizona and Arizona drafted him. And that year, the Jets got Josh Morrissey. So they're pretty happy that that worked out. So we know there's been interest previously. With Domi, he's impressed me for sure with how he's played. Sometimes Hussock can be a little bit deceiving, and that's to take nothing away from any player in the National Hockey League. But sometimes on a bad team, it's easy to put up numbers. Uh, when you're put in offensive situations because oh, sure. there's no pressure. Yeah. But having said that, Domi has done an excellent job with the Dallas Stars of being a very high-end contributor. And he would bring back some of that snarl the Jets are 
probably going to lose if Pierre-Luc Dubois moves on. So I do like it in that regard. The other thing about Domi Hus, he's really, to me, he's, unless I was not paying attention, he's worked on his skating. Uh, he's a much faster skater than I thought. He's definitely a gritty kind of person, goes to the hard areas. Um, you know, he's moved around in his career. So sometimes is that a red flag? I don't necessarily think it is, but I think that Max Domi's matured as a player over the years. Uh, and I think he would be someone that the Jets would look at, but it's not the same type of player. Like I don't think you could expect Max Domi to be an 80 point player with the Jets, but if he's a 60 point player and gives you something else, uh, you know, maybe it's a possibility, you know, like there's no 80 point players in free agency, no, fair even high. if they had a not chance to ones. get them. Like sure. here, are the name, here are the names. Just, this is Frank's yep. top, top 50 list. JT Comfer, who's 28 from the Avs. They predict a contract in a 5.53 number. And he had 52 points playing for the Avalanche. For sure. There's Ryan O'Reilly, who's 32, looking at a 3.5.5. Ryan O'Reilly would look great. Not sure he'd be coming here. Jordan Stahl, 34, unlikely, you know, a possibility. Eric Halla, 32. I mean, we're talking about these uh, Ole Jokinen-type deals, maybe, where you get a guy coming in for two years as other guys go. David Camp, Evan Rodriguez, those guys are at least on the right side of 30 and probably wouldn't cost you as much. Nick Foligno, Bukestad, a banged up Sean Monahan, who's incredibly only 28 years old. Like with what he's been through, I thought he was like 33 or 34. And Teddy Bluger. I mean, there is just not much at the center position if you're looking to solve your problems through the UFA market this year. No doubt. And that's why I think the trade that's Kevin Chevalov is going to have to make some, you know, high end trades. And does that mean packaging up some guys together to help yourself? I'm not sure. There are always guys available, you know, financially. There's going to be teams that are looking to shed payroll. There are going to be teams that are going to need payroll to get to the floor. So the creativity is going to be required. Ryan O'Reilly would make sense as a culture carrier, Huss. But if you're Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, you're probably trying to win a championship. You've won one already, yes. But you're probably taking less money to go to a real higher-end contender if you're him. So... We'll see how it goes, but uh, you know he would be someone that I, I would think would be great in terms of trying to change the culture and you know being a great leader. I just think he's going to have some other options that he's probably going to be looking at first. But you know that's the, that's the beauty of this, Hus, the unpredictability factor. There, you know, there's going to be an ownership change in Ottawa. What does that mean for their team? We'll see what happens there. Uh, we know that there's been some GM changes. There's going to be some coaching changes that get filled here, and and those those coaches may be asking the GM. You know, in the old Bill Parcells terms, they're going to be asking for a few different groceries um, at the store. So what does that mean? Like that that's that's why we anticipate the week of the NHL draft to be such a fascinating time of the year, uh, because as we know, one team is going to be happy in about two weeks time and the other 31 are going to be looking to try to get to the top of the mountain. And it's a copycat league, but. Uh, there's not a lot of copying for a the model that the Vegas School of the Knights have put together, or b what the Florida Panthers have put together, uh, because being the President's Trophy winner and then sneaking into the playoffs is is not the formula either. Nor is having your ten million dollar goalie lose his job to Spencer Knight and Alex Lyon on the road to becoming a potential Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Uh, but the one thing I would I have to say, Huss, to you, and I and I understand this is a huge topic, and I'm not I'm not disputing it because it's true, but if what if if the Jets had not beaten the Pittsburgh Penguins in January in their template game either? Then Pittsburgh would have been in the playoffs that way. It wasn't just because they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know that's not you just saying this. 
the Panthers came back from a nine-point deficit to make the playoffs. So I don't care who lost to whom. The Panthers got the job done down the stretch. I mean, the Jets... Well, it's, it's less about what the Panthers did and what the Pittsburgh Penguins weren't able to do. I mean, well, you know, they, it was a three-horse race between... Uh, sorry, two teams were getting in from those three. The right. Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins. And in the last couple weeks of the of the year... Panthers were playing catch up and they lost control of their own destiny. And I mean, I'm not sure that there's a more a, a shocking and inexcusable loss by any team in the NHL than with your entire season on the line, having Buddy Robinson do you in in the third period on a home ice. And I love former, Buddy. Former Moose. Former yeah, absolutely. Moose, like, yeah. listen, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, but listen, there's no doubt that they were better down the stretch. And I'm not sure whether, I mean, you were, you know, you've been writing about it, whether there was more of a turning point, either at that time where Maurice completely lost his mind on the bench in Toronto or a particular game on it. I mean, to me, the the moment for me was the save by Bob at the end of game five on Brad Marchand, which sure. if he doesn't make that save, they're out and they lose 4-1 and everyone goes, oh yeah, well, it's good for them. They got a game. Um, just before we go, we've talked about this with a number of other people, but I'm interested in, um, you know, seeing the success that Maurice is having. And I mean, he absolutely deserves a lot of credit. I mean, there's been a lot of other things that have conspired to put them in the spot, but coaching is part of it. Um, but knowing what we know now, does that change at all? Or should that change people's views of what happened here in Winnipeg um, on the way out for uh, for Pomo? Uh, not for me, Huss. I mean, I understand that's been a, a topic of debate and much discussion and consternation. And yeah, there are a lot of people screaming from the rooftops one way or the other. I mean, some people hate it. Some people love it. Some people could care less. Some people are bent out of joint about it. But um, does it show us anything? Like, well, like listen, Huss, it, it's, it's a long time. and oranges. I mean, for me, yeah. this is very simple for me. And it, at the end of Paul's tenure, he did not love hockey anymore. And part of that was by his own doing and by his own volition. There's no doubt about that. He was clearly burnt out. He took the six months off where he didn't think about hockey almost at all, didn't watch any hockey, got away from the game, got himself into a far better place, and then an opportunity presented itself for him, and he's done a great job with that opportunity. Palmeris had no trouble, us getting the attention of the Winnipeg Jets from the time he was hired until about 2019. So... We can't look at it as, as apples and apples until we get into year eight of the Panthers' tenure. So the people that are all up in arms on one side or the other side of the fence—that's oh, a great point. I, I just like yeah. this is not a this is not the same discussion. I mean, Paul Maurice came in and did a very good job. He got the Jets to a place they had never been before. The fact that he did not get them over the top—that mm. is something that is going to be one of his own personal regrets. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time. You have to commend him for his ability to pick himself up off the mat and say, I need to learn from this situation. And he's got a different roster construction there, Huss. I well, think. Well, listen, I, I got, we need to get into this. I, I, no, no. And, and listen, I, this isn't as much about Maurice. I guess when I look at this, what I'm thinking is I really wonder about a number of these players that have been core pieces that I think in some ways sort of stopped buying in or stopped reacting to what their coach was saying. And I guess that happens. But I mean, at that point, you've got to make one move or the other. You need to move out some players and make a significant move, or you need to make a coaching change. Neither of those things happened. In my opinion, they sort of wasted the next couple of years. 
But if I'm one of those players in the dressing room that thinks back about those missed opportunities and sees the way the Florida Panthers are buying in and the way that they are doing what they are being coached to do, I couldn't help but have maybe a little bit more regret seeing what is possible if you do play that way, considering the talent that they had in that locker room. Sure, Hassa. I would also argue that the Jets' best season was when they had the most talent. And, you know, after Dustin Bufflin walked out the door and Brian Little had his career unfortunately ended, um, their roster was different. I mean, they changed their defense core entirely and did never really got it back to that point, right? I mean, the Jets had a $10 million third pairing that year in, in Kulikov and Tyler Myers. I mean, when you have the horses, it's easy to look good as well, a coach. 2019. To me, this all is about 2019. I mean, I thought they had sure, the horses Huss, in that. I mean, they that, did. something went rotten in the second half of that season. And I'm sure Maurice did everything he could to try to, you know, get that in. But, I mean, we basically saw a lot of what happened with Rick Bonus in the last two months of this season or so in the second half of that year. But they were so damn good. They were basically second overall at New Year's that – you know, even with the slide that they had through the entire second half of the season, um, they barely missed winning the division and ended up tied with the St. Louis Blues in the first and then playing them in the first round. For sure, Hassan. Again, I, I'm not reminding you, but I'm reminding the Royal U. Dustin Bufflin was hurt on December 27th, and Josh Morrissey missed the last 20 games of the regular season that year. So while I do still appreciate the Jets, you know, had some major issues down the stretch that they needed to sort out and never got that done. They were playing without two of their best defensemen for at least a quarter of each of that time in that 40-game span, and that was something they couldn't get over. And once Bufflin left, they never got over that point again. So did the coach create some of those problems? Absolutely. He gave some players a little bit too long of a leash. Um, Right now, the Florida Panthers are being led by a great leader, Matthew Kachuk, a guy who the Jets hated playing against. But right now... And I know this is something that bothers certain communities out there um, that don't believe in clutch players. Uh, Matthew Kachuk would like to differ in terms of his opinion. And he just produced two overtime winners, one in the fourth overtime, one with 4.9 seconds left in regulation. And oh, by the way, for good measure, he set up Sam Reinhardt for the only goal in game three. So uh, I would seem to think that the counter argument might be on display. And yes, it's a small sample size and it's one series, but the jet and Hus, I, yeah, I but he wasn't the, a 13 goal guy during the season. He's got back to back 40 goal seasons. He no. had 109 points right. and he's a 40 goal score that actually is raising his level of play in the postseason, And that's why they're playing for the Stanley cup. Right. Hus. But how did Kachuk play last year against Edmonton? Right. Again, you have to learn this as a player last year. Yeah. He struggled against Edmonton. Evander Kane got in his head. And after he scored the winner, I think in game two, he didn't have a good series. I mean, but that's that's good on Kachuk for getting back to his previous form where he was a clutch performer for the London Knights. Um, so anyways, just to tie a bow on it, I think it's, it, it's like you said before, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And, and I think the most important thing that gets lost here, um, and I know with, with what you were saying about regret, the players should have regret too, but is it an indictment of Paul Maurice walking away or is it an indictment of the players for not buying in? I mean, that that's the oh, other part. It's that, the latter. Right. Oh, believe so, me, this, to me, this isn't about Maurice. Right. This and, is about so, how it got to that point. And the fact that, you know, at a certain point, I think they needed to make a, they needed to make some move one way sure. or the other. And unfortunately, I think that inability to, whether it's to decide or to go ahead and, and make that bold move, um, 
kind of cost them a little bit of this window that you know that we've talked about. Yeah, totally fair. And I mean, I would just say the other thing, and for the people mad about Paul Maurice for stepping away, like, let's be clear here. Paul Maurice stepped away not because he was looking for a better job. It was for his own personal mental health and well-being. He was just in a place where a guy who loved the sport for his entire life wasn't enjoying coming to the rink anymore. And if some people have a problem with that, I can understand why. But uh, it wasn't that Paul Maurice was planning to quit and take the next job. Paul Maurice would have been just as happy to ride into the sunset. But then after being away for the game, he found out that there was another opportunity that made sense for him. And now he's taken absolute advantage of it. And us, we saw it at the podium. I mean, it's not all about what is at the podium, whether it's the way he reacts in his handshakes with Jamie Compon or the way he's at the podium talking about Sasha Barkov being at a bar mitzvah. I mean, we weren't seeing a lot of jokes from Paul Maurice in December of of, uh, of his last season, right? So, you know, and that's the thing for me, you know, good for Paul that he found the love of the game because this is a guy who loved the game more than anyone that I've been around in covering the sport for the last 20 plus years. And it wasn't a joyful time for him to borrow the line of Claude Noel uh, at the end of his tenure with the Jets. And, you know, just to your point, I know you asked about it, we talked about it with Scotty. If you saw Mark Chipman, his reaction the day that Paul announced his resignation or formally announced it, he wasn't being fired by the guy who owns the team uh, based on how emotional he was when Paul announced he was leaving. Yeah, when people get divorced, they look upset too. Huss, man. No, I mean- no, totally fair. I'm, I'm not saying that Paul Maurice may have lasted the year or that he might not have been in danger of being let go at some point. He wasn't being let go on December 17th. That, that much we're clear on. Um, and I don't think a firing was imminent, but you know, I, for both sides, for the for the coach himself and for the team, they they needed a new direction, and and now they need a new direction again, and not necessarily behind the bench, but in terms of the roster construction and how they proceed moving forward, and how they get to that point is going to be a very interesting time here at a time when there's a ton of NHL teams that are looking to change direction a little bit. And hey, the other part too, like there've been a lot of there's been a lot of people throwing some old tomatoes in the direction of the Vegas school, the Knights Huss for some of the decisions that made they've made. Some of those people might be taking a few of those comments back uh, when it comes to two weeks from now. Well, we'll uh, in one week from now, I think we'll be getting ready for Maurice and the Panthers and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'll look forward to talking to you uh, then. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the heat and uh, may, uh, may they be straight and the putts be dropping on the Weebs World Manitoba Golf Tour. Thank you, my man. It's been great to get it started. And uh, there was a three birdie round uh, involved in the last week here, but it also included two triples in a quad. So uh, we're, we're trying to sort some things out here in the, in the hey, early listen, stages of the season. Huss. You're a guy that had two holes in one in one round and <laughs> let's just say didn't didn't sniff Still, far in that one. Did so not, any, did not keep it in the low 80s. Then. Did not keep it in the low 80s. That's true. But, uh, yeah, let's great. get out for a round sooner. Breezy, buddy. Can't wait. Uh, great lid for sure. And yes. uh, look forward to getting out. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. And yeah, let's see what happens in the next week here. But are now, you going, Hey, are you going to the hoops game tomorrow? I don't believe so. No, uh, I will be watching game five. I got to uh, gotta be on, on call for the Weebs World Sunday morning column, Huss. But uh, I'm yeah. sure it's, uh, hey, sellout. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I hope it's a great awesome. event. And um, hey, it's always fun to see uh, sports at this time of year. People are people are thriving, and good to see people getting we're behind. Going, we're going to a Sea Bears game 
in the future this okay. season, even if deal. you can't make the opener. All it's right, a we'll deal. Talk- and hey, also too, I missed it last weekend. Uh, I know you're out at the ballpark. Uh, looked fantastic. Uh, great crowd for the opener. And uh, hey, it's good. I know you had Greg Taggart on one of the one of the great uh, managers and personalities oh. of the uh, of the independent baseball circuit. And uh, it's just a fun time of the year. And we know that football will be getting going uh, soon enough here. Well, there's a 6.30 game tonight, and it's 30 degrees outside. If you don't have a wine tasting or something like that, text me, because I think you know where I'm going to be tonight. Right on, my man. Have, uh, have a good one. We'll talk soon. Take it easy. There's Ken Weeb. Yes, speaking of the Gold Eyes, uh, they are back at it all weekend long against Sioux Falls, and we could not have better weather weather for this. And, uh, well, I'll tell you before marbles about a uh, – Big, big announcement coming from our friends at Little Brown Jug that's going to make certain sports fans very, very happy. However, I can tell you right now that that generic lager, which is such a great addition to the Little Brown Jug family, that's available at the ballpark. And if you're out there and you're looking for a refreshing light beer, I would suggest jump on the generic tonight. And, uh, hey, of course, Little Brown Jug patio open Right now, down on William Avenue, and uh, you can get a bunch of new beers that have launched. They've got the Rattler that's uh, out right now, uh, but I'm definitely suggesting the generic. That is that that is, I think, now my official go-to summer beer. I think it has now been decreed. And uh, look for that blue can at the ballpark tonight, and uh, you might see me holding one. Shout out to our friends over at Little Brown Jug, and look for it coming up at a certain football stadium when uh, fans are coming up. Hey. Princess Auto, speaking of the Gold Eyes, great sponsors of both the Gold Eyes and the Blommers. And your boys here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations. Panet Road, Portage Avenue, West, or shop online 24-7. 365 at princessauto.com. Marbles are coming up in a few minutes. And don't forget, next week for Marbles, Joe over Consolidated Supply, the irrigation master himself, has hooked us up with the uh, a pair of bomber tickets for the uh, for the Marbles um, uh, coming up uh, next week. But we will have a Marbles race right away. We're going to quickly talk Sea Bears with Kirby Shep, but keep an eye, <clears throat> excuse me, on the chat for uh, when you're going to want to enter the uh, the marble race. But Consolidated Supply, Joe, leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, they are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at Consolidated Supply's new showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Um. Listen, our, the gang at Royal Sports is, of course, busy. It's beautiful outside. It's time to get outside. It's time to dominate spring and summer. A massive selection of incredible bikes, cruisers, mountain bikes, BMX style. They've got them all. Pop down and see Royal. And if you have not tried disc golf, if you're looking for a fun activity that you can play with friends pretty much at any point throughout spring and summer, Get on down to Royal. Not only do they have a huge selection of discs, but they've also got portable targets that you, know, you can bring out to the lake with you, for instance, if you want to do it. Not to mention 
the best selection of licensed merchandise for all of your favorite teams around the world. Royal Sports, spring stock arriving daily, soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, and more. In addition to bikes, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And just before we get ready for the Seabirds opener, don't forget Boston Pizza is there for you. Home of the Jays broadcast. Always a great place to watch Blue Jays baseball. And we do have another game five tomorrow. So uh, you'll be able to uh, get on down to BP and enjoy ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And heck, might be a good place to pregame for tomorrow's Sea Bears opener down at Canada Life Center. And heck, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, pay attention. In just a minute, if it hasn't happened already, we'll open up Marbles registration. But before we do that, getting ready for the Sea Bears opener. No better person to talk about it with than our good friend Kirby Shep, who's got a very interesting trip in his coaching career coming up. But uh, he kind of joined us a little earlier to talk about the Sea Bears opener and what that means for hoops in Manitoba and give us a little bit of an insight to the team. Here it is. Kerr, what is up, man? It's great to have you uh, back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Yeah, been a while, guys. Uh, good to be back with you talking some hoops. Well, you know what I mean? You've you always been my go-to guy talking basketball, and there is a lot going on in the NBA playoffs, but pretty exciting time for the basketball community in Manitoba as uh, we get a pro team back and the Seabears get going on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's been, out. Of, I don't know how we over 20 years for sure since the cyclone left and you know they've had those sort of transient leagues come and go previously winnipeg thunder uh we've had a number of bouts here cbl seems to really have some roots here and is sticking nationally and uh certainly was a great time for david asper and his group to get on board and uh you know bring a group in and i think you know the enthusiasm for the game is uh is really great right now and it's, it's just a great time to, to kick it off you know, no doubt about it. And, and you know, we had Mo Khan, a good friend of ours that comes on the show from Montreal, and he's done the play-by-play for uh, the uh, Montreal team for the last couple of years. And we sort of got a bit of a primer on the CBL as a league now going into his fifth le- fifth year. But as Winnipeg is the newbies, I mean, from someone that has been so involved in basketball here in the province and in Canada, um, how important is it to have a national league as well as that gives opportunities to uh, young men like a couple former bisons or current bisons actually that are going to be playing with the sea bears yeah i mean it's huge in terms of uh, just the growth of the game too i mean if you look around the world uh you know every country has their own domestic league of some kind right and sometimes those league link with other countries leagues and premier league or you know uh euro leagues different things like that and um and we've never really had that stable component. You know, obviously there are challenge with it, challenges with geography that other countries don't have in Canada in terms of making a league and, and timing. And uh, I think, you know, the people that put the CBL, Mark, uh, Mike Morielli and, uh, and his group uh, put together this league. And I, th- I really think that they did a great job in terms of the structure of it, uh, how it, you know, how it sort of spread across the league, but also making it a summer league as well, where, a lot of guys, because the talent is in Canada has really taken off in the last 15, 20 years. Um, so now we have enough sort of local flavor to make it a really, really good league right around the around the world. But these guys can play overseas and play in other, 
you know, other countries, sometimes NBA G League, sometimes Euro League, different places around the world, but also play in this league kind of in their off season, I guess. And uh, yeah, no, great, great for Canada basketball, but also great locally. You know, as you sort of hinted, you now we've got, uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys whose photos are behind me on the wall here and, uh, you know, who are former pros of ours that are playing overseas and they get a chance to now come home and play. And, and even current players, as you mentioned, that, uh, you know, Simon Hildebrand was their number one draft pick. And, um, you know, so it's just a great opportunity uh, for our guys to sort of get their feet off the ground and build their future pro, pro career, but also, you know, play at home in front of friends and family for those that already are pros. Well, speaking of Simon Hildebrand, I think for Seabears fans that get out this uh, weekend to see the home opener and follow the team throughout the first year, they'll become very familiar with Simon if they haven't already from his uh, exploits as the uh, rookie of the year and the incredible debut he had with the Bisons. Uh, you mentioned first draft pick ever by the Seabears, and it um, looks like he's going to be in the lineup right now. Talk to us a little bit about the player um, that he is, but also what this sort of an opportunity does for a young man that'll come back and be a leader for your squad next year in U sports. Yeah. I mean, Simon's a local guy, you know, uh, NBCI product who uh, then went away to, you know, some post-grad and prep situations in Ontario and the U S and then, and then came back home. So, and it was certainly, you know, he saw the, he had opportunities other places and, uh, and wanted to stay at home and it worked out very, very well for him. Um, you know, he's, he's a unique talent. I mean, we're talking about a, six foot nine guy who can really shoot the ball, play on the perimeter, play multiple positions. He's really, you know, what the modern game is now, which is a positionless player. You know, that that's certainly how we use him and we use him all over the floor in different roles. And and he'll showcase that, you know, for the sea bears. And I think for him, it's about getting a taste. I mean, he knows he's, he, he's aspiring to be a professional basketball player. I think he certainly has the talent and he'll certainly get there, you know, when he's done his, done his education done here with the Bisons, but this gives him a taste, right? And this gives him a taste of what being a pro is like. It starts to sort of build that resume now. And, and you know, certainly for us, him getting this experience and, uh, you know, learning every day from different guys, guys that have been around and already played a lot of professional basketball and, uh, it can only help him sort of as he moves forward into next year. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just really proud of him. We're really happy that he, that he's, uh, that he's getting this opportunity and, uh, I think it's going to be great for him moving forward. Well, looking forward to seeing him and the rest of the squad, you know, uh, the first player ever signed by the club, another local product, the beast from river East himself, Chad posthumous. Uh, I mean, we had such a great time chatting with him. He seems to be loving it being, a for better or worse, the, the face of the franchise at least before things get going um he's had a, a very interesting run i mean since growing up here i mean this is another guy that's been around the world that's played one in this league and uh um probably a pretty great guy to start this franchise with uh, a big guy from winnipeg that has the accolade that chad brings to the table sure i mean it was a great there's a number of local products i think that you know i think they're still targeting that you know could become a piece of that but uh you know chad was certainly a key for signing who had played, you know, played a few years in the CBL already and has, has played in a number of pro leagues around the world. It's one of the beauties of basketball is, and I'm, you know, certainly fortunate enough to do this is it can take you everywhere in the world because it's a global game and it's, you know, it's done that for Chad. And um, so, yeah, he, he gets a chance to finally, you know, play in front of a, front of a home audience or home crowd. And, you know, probably as he moves towards the end of his career and um, yeah, it'll be certainly great for him to, you know, 
get on the court. And uh, he's a big, strong dude. He's going to rebound. He's going to be a presence in the paint for them. So as they hold off, I know that they've got their eyes on, you know, a couple other local products that could be big. Keith O'Meara, for one. Uh, you know, Bison alumni, Jared Ogamemi Jackson. He's a Garden City kid who went away to Calgary. Both those guys are playing in France uh, at a high level of basketball. They're both high-level pros. And their league won't end until mid-June. So I know Sea Bears are hoping to add them sort of partway through the season. But yeah, that local flair is is certainly huge for selling the product and uh, building connection with the community. I know you've been uh, around practice and kind of following the team. I mean, we've talked about Chad and certainly about Simon Hildebrand. Um, any other uh, guys catch your eye at the practice that, um, you know, maybe fans will be introduced to in a big way when the season gets going? Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it works out. I'm, I'm really, I know I'm totally biased here, but I'm uh, I'm anxious to see how Justice Aline does. You know, there's by all their buys and who's, you know, um, played a few years of pro and then, you know, took some time off for, you know, family and personal reasons. And then, you know, is back in it a little bit. So, um, I'm, I, the name, I'm getting my names wrong right now. They're New Mexico kid, Teddy, uh, Oh, Teddy buckets. Yeah. Teddy, Ted, buckets. Ted, Teddy Allen. Uh, he can shoot the ball, you know, he's going to be a real interesting, uh, piece for them. And, uh, and then they'll see, I mean, I think there's probably going to be a period where, um, you know, he's, they're going to have to feel it out a little bit, right? Because these are all new, you know, things. One of the challenges with some of these leagues is, um, you know, these guys are getting paid on a per-game basis, right? So you can't tell them to – it's tough to, you know, bring them in three months before and really, you know, see what you got, right? So they've had, you know, a week of two-a-day training camps going out and hard here. and So I'm sure there'll be a feeling out and a growing process of sort of, you know, Coach Taylor seeing what he's got and, making adjustments up and down the lineup here as they go through their first few games here. We had a great chat with uh, Coach Taylor last week getting ready for the season and really loved his energy. I mean, we'll see what happens when the, the team hits the court. But from a, well, from a Bison coach perspective, but also a local guy that's been so involved in basketball your entire life, um, how significant is this to have a team hopefully get off to a great start and be part of a young and growing league for basketball in this city uh, and the trickle down to all the grassroots levels. Right. I mean, it's nice. It'll be re- what, it, what it really significant is, you know, if it sticks and certainly, you know, we're on pace, I think to break the CBL attendance record in game one here on Saturday, that's a really great start. Uh, the league's got pretty good roots already. I mean, I think where it'll really start to be have an impact, I think is this becomes like a, uh, a league is, you know, as, you know, as much as they've had their own challenges, but like as stable as the CFL, right. In terms of a long lasting institution in our country, that's national, you know, that goes right, you know, from coast to coast and, uh, you know, really has its roots and starts to build some generational fan base, right. It's time like, for that to happen though, huh? Yeah. There's no question. There's no question. I mean, when you look at the popularity of the game and, and I think the, the other key piece is the talent level. So, Nationally, we always haven't had necessarily the talent to sustain this league. We had to be very import heavy, and that's not the case anymore. Like we we can have seventy percent of the roster be Canadians and be high level pros because we, you know, we have, you know, I, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. If I were to guess, there's sixty to eighty guys playing professional Canadians playing professional basketball somewhere else in the world at any given time right now. So we have that depth of talent. So I think the time is right for that. Kirby Shaps with us. Uh, Kirby, you've got some uh, interesting an interesting itinerary coming up. I mean, over the years we've talked about uh, you know the work you've done with Canada basketball and up here. 
Um, tell us about this international opportunity that's going to take you out of the city for the next little while. Yeah, leave uh, leave this weekend. And uh, yeah, traveled a little bit, you know, sort of working around the bison schedule when guys are writing exams and different sort of, you know, downtimes in the season. And uh, yeah, I've taken a position with the Egyptian uh, Basketball Federation uh, with their national team program where I'm, uh, I'm the director of their youth and coaching development. So, I, you know, I develop some resources and, you know, build their game a little bit from uh, from the grassroots level. But I also coach their international team program. So, uh, you know, I work closely with their senior team and, and a number of their federations to to build out their program, build alignment between their age group teams and their and their senior teams. And uh, yeah, so I'm coaching their U19 World Cup team this summer. So I was just there in April doing some training camp uh, in Cairo and Alexandria. And uh, yeah, I leave Sunday and we start our final phases of, of training camp in, in Cairo and uh two weeks of that and a week in France for some prep and, uh, you know, a little bit of training and then we're in Hungary for world cup. So, uh, should be, should be a fun summer. And, you know, anytime you can compete in a world championship, uh, it's a pretty special experience. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. What's basketball like in Egypt and, uh, did, did the players speak English? What's the communication like with the squad? Yeah. How does so that it's, work? it's, it's, you know, so it's a really interesting challenge. It's, um, they do speak English for the most part. There's one or two guys that, you know, struggle. Arabic's obviously their first language, but, uh, you know, they, they're, and there's a bit of a basketball language. So, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well with that piece. And most of the kids go to English speaking high schools or American international schools or things like that. So their English is, is, is pretty good. Um, you know, some, there's some challenges with for sure, but, you know, what I'm finding that's really fascinating is the team building aspect of it, where, you know, all those moments where you're, you know, you're on the bus, you're at team meals, you're at, you know, the, the downtime before practice and you're sitting around with the guys and, you know, you take for granted how much of that time is making connections with athletes and that, you know, that would really take time with. And, and it's not right now for me because when they're over a team meal, they're all speaking Arabic and I don't know what the hell's going on. Right. And they're not talking to me. And so unless they address me directly, it's always in Arabic. So that's, that, this is probably the biggest challenge I have in terms of, you know, building our squad and, you know, building out that, that team dynamic that I certainly rely on. So, uh, but we'll find a way and, uh, certainly great people. That's what I would say is my, my Egypt, uh, synopsis is, uh, just incredible people. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure I can share, big, share a few a, stories. Is it a big sport there? Um, like what's the, what's the talent like? I mean, how many, uh, Players, do you have to choose from? I mean, yeah, so uh, it's a cool? country, right? So we're, we're they're over we're about a hundred million. Uh, just in Cairo alone, Cairo's complete insanity is twenty million people, right? Oh. So, uh, yeah, you can imagine what that city's like. Um, but I mean, soccer, uh, team handball are big sports, right? But basketball's probably second to third on that list, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's growing, it's popular, and and I think. You know, I was I was in April. I was there for the BAL, which is the NBA has created a Basketball Africa League, and I attended those games. Uh, and the future of the game is in Africa; like it's absolutely exploding. And then the amount of talent there, and it was uh, it was pretty exciting thing to be a part of, actually. So it's uh, we're just going to see more and more talent coming globally, which is hey, it's just great for the game. Hey, uh, under nineteenth uh, is uh, is Victor Wembayana uh, eligible for uh, for this tournament? And, uh, and listen, I have to ask you just about him quickly because, and I was watching the lottery and whatnot. And I mean, these, there's very respected people talking about him being 
like the best prospect, and again, prospect, that's ever going to be picked in the NBA. And I kind of step back, but the more I read about this guy, it's um, this is a, a, a whole nother level of uh, potential for this young man. It's it's incredible, and I worry about the pressure that he's under. So and to the short answer to your first question was uh, yes, this is his age group uh, on the – What's the date? On the 15th, we'll be playing the French national team uh, in Orleans, France, just outside of Paris. I would be shocked if Victor Wembanyama was playing. I believe he's still playing on his French Pro A team. But it would be still pretty cool. Uh, I'll, uh, that would be the one time in my life where I would probably dream team it and take a photo pregame with an opponent. And uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll text you that picture if I get one. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty special. But you're right. It's um, – you know, I'm hesitant because the pressure these guys are under and you never know injuries could come in and, you know, fit and different things. And so, you know, and you emphasize prospect, I think, very, you know, accurately because prospect just means that, you know, his ceiling is really, really high. Uh, and, you know, so I think even his floor is high too, but there's still a range there. But you're right, his ceiling is probably as high as just about anyone that's ever played the game. So I would maybe put Lou Alcindor in that group. Like, I mean, the old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I mean, he's a seven foot five shooting guard. So yeah, it's uh, pretty incredible, right? So yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool though. Done what I, hey, just before we go, uh, I know you've been paying attention to the, uh, to the playoffs. Are the Celtics going to be the first team to come off the mat down 0-3 and win a series? I mean, so I would have said no chance. Uh, there's no question. I would have said like 0.0% chance here. But at the same time, like I, I think the, the real deciding factor here is injuries. I mean, I also don't know if the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round if Giannis doesn't get hurt. So injuries play a role for sure. Um, now they're they're down Gabe Vincent now. Uh, you know, they were already down Tyler Hero. They're already down Victor Oladipo. These are all very similar positions that could swing the series, right? Not only the building momentum, but they're not the same team that they started the playoffs with right now. And do I think it's going to happen? No, I think they probably get it tonight, but uh, I would not be surprised if the Celtics come back and be the first team ever to come back from 3-0. Hey, I just have to ask you about the Joker over there in Denver and what the Nuggets have been doing. I know there's a lot of talk. I think there was sort of Joker fatigue why he didn't win the MVP He's, uh, I think, proving who the MVP is right now. I mean, uh, yeah. and wasn't he a second-round pick, like late in the second round? Like, how did he become this superstar? Um, and are the Nuggets the team to beat, regardless of who wins this series in the East? Yeah, I mean, he was always this guy. One of the challenges, of course, is like um, Denver's just not on national TV that much, right? They're just not, mm-hmm. you know. So it's people don't necessarily see what he does on a nightly basis. He also doesn't care about MVPs. So, you know, towards the end of this season, uh, they had the one seed locked up and he kind of coasted a little bit into the end and doesn't really give a crap about, you know, like the, you know, whether he wins that award or not. But he's a special talent. And, and I mean, he's the best player in the world right now. I think it's hard to deny that. Um, you know, there's, uh, and, and it's just how much he makes his teammates better. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Magic Johnson back in the day where, you know, it's hard to, you know, Magic Johnson would finish the game with, you know, 
18 points and 17 assists and 15 rebounds. And, but it, you couldn't really quantify what he did for the team, right. To the way Joker does. So it's pretty cool. And I'll tell you what, even for the casual basketball fans, you turn on Denver Nuggets game and watch Nikola Jokic play. And it's, uh, it's fun. Like there's, there's no one like him. He's so unique. Uh, I don't think we're going to see too many other guys like him, you know, in the future. And, uh, just enjoy watching him right now. He's got a pretty good running mate with one of the top Canadians in the NBA as well, Jamal Murray. Absolutely, Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray's better in the playoffs. I mean, he's been absolutely incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's pretty special. And his story was is fantastic where he's, you know, come back from injury and tore, you know, he had that great run in the bubble and then he tore his ACL and, you know, took him ACL. The injury is at least a year, year and a half to get 100% back. And, and now he's back. Right. So he's he's back to what he was and uh, they're quite a quite a duo. So pretty cool to see. Uh, we're going to see Canadian, you know, playing in the finals on a, on a real big stage and have it playing a big role. So I uh, cannot wait for it. And uh, looking forward to see Bears season. And of course, looking forward to seeing uh, you and the Bisons back on the court next year at the U of M. In the meantime, we'll let you get back to packing. Consider Winnipeg Sports Talk. A big fans of the Egyptian under 19 team we will be pulling for you and uh hopefully when uh you're done and back in the city we can have you back talk a little bit about the experience and a little more hoops on winnipeg sports talk kirby always love great to. having you on the show love to guy i'll have a million stories about egypt i already got a few so i'd love to share them with you have a great trip travel safely and good luck out there take care all right great stuff with my guy kirby best of luck to him out with the egyptian team and uh all you Hoops fans, will see you tomorrow at the Seabears home opener. Listen, we've gone long, so we'll get to Marbles right away. Uh, last call for Marbles. Remus is going to crank that uh, close in just a second. So if you just popped in and you're late right now, you got just a couple seconds to get those in, and that will close it right away and get to the race. Got to thank our friends at Aikens Lake. Man, this is great fishing weather. <laughs> Wouldn't mind being out at Aikens right about now, to be perfectly honest with you, with this gorgeous weather. But if you are looking for a world-class fishing experience here in Manitoba, where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg and enjoy world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality, Aikens Lake is the, is the place. There is absolutely nothing like the Aikens experience. Find out more online, AikensLake.com, or hit up our pal Pitt Turen on Twitter at Aikens Lake uh, for more information on uh, what is available for remaining booking dates for 2023 or get ahead of the game and start booking for 2024. Um, and, of course, no live racing until Monday night. But A.S. Downs is back at it. But this weekend, food truck wars. So if you're looking for something to do, bring your appetite down. And uh, our friends at Little Brown Jug are also uh, sponsoring and hosting the Beer Garden at Food Truck Wars. Uh, perfect weather for that as well. And I did promise a little bit of news from Little Brown Jug. Got an email last night from uh, Tanner. Great news, Bomber fans. Little Brown Jug is going to be working with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year, and you will be able to get LBJ beers at Bomber Games. So uh, looking forward to uh, that new development at the games. Great stuff from the Bombers, and of course, our friends over at Little Brown Jug. And of course, Gold Ice tonight, 6.30 p.m. start, home all weekend 
32, 29, 32 these next three days. If you haven't been out to the ballpark, summer's already here. Get on down there. Tickets available at goldeyes.com. All right. Well, Remus gets us ready to drop the marbles. Let's get over to the Cool Bet lines. And by the way, shout out to my boys over at Cool Bet. Um, We've got a big announcement that we're going to be making that I think will be very popular with Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners uh, for a big event coming up in June. We'll tell you about that next week on the program. No hockey tonight and no baseball tonight. We've got to wait till tomorrow for both those games. But tomorrow, the Heat, <laughs> the Heat looking to avoid being the first team to ever blow a 3 nothing lead in the playoffs. It's now going to game six. This is game seven for Miami. Miami's an underdog at home, though, plus 121. And the Celtics minus 143 in that game tomorrow. And as far as the Stars and the Golden Knights go, Vegas is a home favorite of minus 138 to get the job done and book a ticket to take on Pomo and the Panthers in the Stanley Cup Final. Dallas tomorrow, 117. Full slate of games tonight in the Majors. We do have the Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Minnesota Twins down in Minnesota. A lot of Winnipeggers will be there for this series. Twins plus 132 underdog. Jays are favored. And man, they need a win. Minus 149. Kevin Gosman's on the mound. I've been struggling making bets much like the Jays have been struggling getting wins. I am looking at one though tonight. Kevin Gosman over eight and a half pitching outs. At minus 115, jumping on that. We'll throw that one out on our daily pick for Cool Bet Canada in the lock shop. And by the way, all you Bomber fans and CFL fans, if you want to see something listed when it comes to the um, season props and futures for it, they've got a bunch of player specials. Right now they've got uh, the, uh, the, the most outstanding player up right now. But we do have a special one right now. Over or under three and a half quarterbacks hitting 4,000 yards. Um, but if you want a particular player prop or something like that, send me a tweet at Hustlerama, and I'll do my best to get that one on the board next week uh, as we get ready for the season. And I do believe there's nothing more degen than betting on the CFL preseason. But if that's your jam, Ottawa three-and-a-half-point favorites tonight at home to the Montreal Alouettes. Coolbet.com is where to do it. Use the promo code WST if you're jumping on for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at Coolbet. All right, I apologize. Although the conversation with Ken was so good, Reem, that we didn't want to end it um, early, and this sometimes happens, and the beauty of this format Sometimes we went a little long. That being said, you know what time it is. It is time for marbles. Um, can we get right into Tristan Rivers' music and then figure out where we're going to go? Yes, I'm about to pick the song. Here, I'll do this one. This is the one I'm going to do. Ready? Perfect. Summertime. It's Friday. Another week of work's gone by. You deserve to treat yourself, baby, a nice green cake or a bottle of
All right. Marbles time to finish up another great week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Short week. Hard to believe it's already Friday, but uh, I'm here for it. Uh, may have a generic lager from Little Brown Jug a little later on and thinking about the Gold Eyes game tonight. But nothing starts until the marbles are finished. Uh, Remo, how uh, how many marbles do we have in today? Yeah, well, first up, that was the uh, Foo Fighters theme for Ooh. anyone because they're back. They announced uh, over the weekend Josh Freeze is the new drummer replacing uh, Taylor Hawkins, who unfortunately passed away. Was that last year? And they're actually playing shows again, which is kind of cool. I, I'm pr- hoping that they p- reschedule the show that was here, supposed to be here, and that was canceled. Um, but nice to see oh, them back. Nice to see them back. But uh, how many marbles? We got 183 in right now. Nice. We had had 180. From the Chad, and then added in Nigel Dawes. Great appearance this oh, week. Fun. And then um, Ken got a marble for uh, delaying the show today. That was a good one. Good chat yeah. with Ken. And uh, the Winnipeg Sea Bears get a marble. So we'll have to present it. I don't know who who Real. to who. but I, th- I think we, we should probably give one to Maurice. He deserves oh, one. Oh, I didn't do Paul Maurice. Okay, I'll, I'll add it again. Yeah, we'll have to mail it to Florida. Throw in it. You know what? Wouldn't that be something? Paul Maurice, congratulations on winning the Stanley Cup. But more importantly, congratulations on winning a hoodie from Winnipeg Sports Talk for a marble victory. And by the way, shout out to our friends at Shipman Associates, great friends of the program who uh, have got the uh, the, mar- the uh, hoodies in. I've got all the sizes. So again, there's still a couple people that I owe one to. Uh, if we haven't got in touch with you, maybe you missed it, send us an email uh, and when you won, and uh, we'll get that done hopefully at some point next week. All right, where are we gonna go today? I mean, do tired? yeah, we go back to the coils of power. I've, I, we haven't coiled for a while. Oh, I'm down with the coils of power. Yeah, that is one that we've uh, I think was quite popular early on, and we and we definitely haven't done it in a while. Sure, I'll do I'll do the coil. All right, everyone, let's get it on. Marble Race, WST style, Friday afternoon. And don't forget, shout out to Joe from Consolidated Supply. Next Friday, we will also have a pair of tickets for the Bomber Home Opener the following week. Uh, All right, 184 marbles in. One will be champion. We are in the coils of power today for a steamy Friday afternoon in the peg. Let's drop them in the coils of power on WST. Oh, yes, and in chat mentioning the uh, T-Birds. Brad Lambert, thank you, Phyllis, for the reminder. Uh, tomorrow, their first game in the uh, Memorial Cup. Oh, the big guy, Tyson Ducharme with the early lead. Jeff Doiron and Moose 3 so far. But uh, Tyson with a great start early. In the coils of power. Let's see what happens. Now, I don't remember this one. Is there spots where people can get thrown over the top rope by the electricity or something on this one, Reem? I'm seeing, like, laser beams shoot out, and I don't know if they're, like, teleporting laser beams or elimination laser beams. We'll have to keep our eyes open to what happens here. No doubt about it. Uh, right now, oh, it looks like Tyson slowed down a little bit. Moose 3, oh. I think, took them in. Greg M. Greg M. just got thrown over the top rope. I'm not sure how that happened to Greg. 
but he uh, he did again. All right, Moose three. Oh, somebody else just went That's down too. Ryan Dry. Oh, there goes Ken. Ken. <laughs> Poor Ken. Just got dropped. All right, we're coming down these coils. It looks like I think Moose three is the uh, is the leader. Oh, Will Sutton and uh, another one. Rob Kane. Gonzo. Sorry, Rob. Okay, Moose three. Eric. FRW. Oh, Moose 3 just got stopped. Here comes FRW rolling through. Laurent Gratton. Oh, this is a good one. There's lots of stops and starts. Oh, Chuckster just got thrown over the top rope. All right, we're getting into some more marbles. And uh, Tony Pop, I don't know where Tony just came from, but he's now right on. I think this is pretty much a dead heat from the ones on the uh, right and the left. Although, no, I think the right side, right side coils are bit. Todd M thrown over the top rope. See, okay, I'm pretty sure C Jury right now is our leader. Can anybody catch C Jury? That would definitely be a new uh, a new winner for us. C Jury's gotten out a front in front of everyone <laughs> over the top rope. Oh my god. What a disaster for C Jury. Who's going to who Paul Maurice gone? Kitty Pop, can Kitty Pop get it done? Yes. Oh man, that was an awesome race. That <laughs> we got to do the coils of power a little bit more often. I, I am stunned how C Jury fell off. It looked like it was over, but then it wasn't. And Kitty Pup One Thousand is the winner. Uh, we'll go through the entire list just so everyone can check out. I think Sean's back from Sweden, so he probably joined us on regular Central Time today. But shout out to Kitty Pup 1000 for the win. Send us an email, Kitty Pup, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. We'll be in touch and you can pick up that hoodie some point next week. Top 10 went like this Tony Pop, Zach C, Uncle Dizzo, Interim Coach, Paul Carr in sixth, Cruiser 24, Ernie Waldner eighth, Yakman ninth, and THP Power 10th. Overall, we'll run down. Oh, there's Kabilis. Pretty strong performance by Jeff. 16. Doesn't usually get that hard up. Ardis, great name. 20th. What do we got here? A Winnipeg Chaster in the top 25. Phyllis, 29th. Nicely done, Phyllis. And Chris Vermette, another regular. Always there. Brant Batters. What's up, Brant? Hockey guy, Jeff. Elliot, top 50. Pretty good. Your boy, Mitch Klassen. Lego guy, 57th. All caps, Kyle. We met all caps, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> we met all caps, Kyle at the Kenny and Rennie event. 60, 62nd. Uh, there's Bardo. Doug Phil. Pretty in Pionk. See the WST audio gremlin. Our guy, Bravo Bry. What's up, Bry? Doobie. Doobie's in there in 74th today. Let's see. We're going down. We've got uh, Velveeta. Tyson Ducharme. Tyson, I don't know how you ended up finishing 93rd. You were, like, way out early. Nigel Dawes, you know, debut in the marble race. Not bad. 107th. Candace at 116. The Sea Bears, 117. Hopefully the Sea Bears do better in the game tomorrow than they did in the marble race today. Gene Okerlund, my man. 124th. Yes. Uh, there's Dallas Pauls. Hugh Wachenko. Uh, Hugh, you were due for 138th after winning a couple weeks ago. 
Hope you're enjoying that hoodie. Kibbins. What's up, Kibbins? Jerry Baluda, Boba Jet, Trevor Red Ranger. Whoa, Gitch. <laughs> Gitch, 162nd. And SK, the final one to go across the uh, across the board. And then everyone else that got knocked out. Oh, Tikona Polly thrown over the top rope. Ken thrown over the top rope. Maurice also <laughs> thrown over was, the top rope. I was ready to, to mail his hoodie to, to Florida. I would have done it. <laughs> High profile casualties today in the uh, in the marble race. Um Folks, awesome, awesome show today. And uh, thanks to everyone for jumping on. Really enjoyed the conversations with Weaver, Billick, and Kirby Shep. Uh, I'm pumped for this game tomorrow night. And I know there's, I mean, obviously there's just the one hockey series going on. And, you know, unfortunately the ice aren't in the Memorial Cup. But Gold Eyes, home all weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon, 6.30 tonight, 6 tomorrow, 1 o'clock, I believe, on Sunday. Check goldeyes.com for confirmation on that. And get tickets. And of course, tomorrow, I think we're pushing the full lower bowl for the Winnipeg Seabears debut game tomorrow night. Remo and I will be there. Look for us behind the scorer's table, evaluating the action and the new team and the vibe in and around it. I'm looking forward to talking about it, uh, uh, of course, um, on Monday's show. And Bomber, exhibition action. You're going to have to click that CFL link to see it. Uh, the game tomorrow isn't on TV, right, Reem? The Bombers, no, but it's on yeah. the CFL streaming yeah. service. Free streaming. Dusty's <laughs> going to be doing the game. And then next week's preseason game will be live on TSN yeah. from here. But uh, even for a preseason game, it's so funny. Hockey preseason games are like, yeah, maybe I'll go. I think everyone's fired up just to get back to IG Field and have a great night. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's get it on. Beautiful weather. Make the most of it, everyone. Get a little bit of time outside. Use that sunscreen and take it easy on, uh, stay hydrated, if you will, was uh, heat warning is in effect throughout it. Um, that's going to do it for us. We got to get these pods up. Uh, maybe we'll see you at the ballpark or at the uh, arena on the weekend. Look at that heat warning in effect, 32 degrees. Bring it on. There's winter peg. Our friend uh, Ashley over at uh, CTV was just mentioning, no one ever talks about summer peg, but it is here right now. Uh, so anyways, enjoy it, everyone. Food Truck Wars on AS Downs as well. Another great idea for the weekend. Uh, but one thing, no matter what you do this weekend, make sure to join us on Monday for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Big announcement about a big event for us on in June coming up that I think you'll be uh, looking forward to. So we'll let you know about that next week. In the meantime, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you're subscribed on the podcast feed. Put in Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your pods and hit that red subscribe button on YouTube. And if you're with us on YouTube, thumbs up on the way out. Thumbs up to the weekend. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you Monday. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.